0: Hello and welcome to Kingdom in Context. I'm Sean Griffin. I want to thank you for joining us here tonight for a special roundtable. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the pros, the cons. We'll be reviewing the scriptures as always because that's where we derive our theology. That's where we derive our understanding of God and this creation. And so I'm excited that we have an incredible panel of brothers in the faith. Many of them make their own content already. Uh, some of them have uh, been at it longer than others. We even have a pastor joining us tonight, so I'm excited uh, for you guys to be here to watch this. Big shout out to all the moderators in the live chat, just as a real quick um, loving uh, admonition to all the all the people that might not like this topic in the live chat. Um, please try to control yourselves, and our moderators are being instructed to not ban you from the channel, but to just repeatedly mute you if you do not know how to have loving discourse so they will continue to mute you until the stream's over. I really appreciate mods for, uh, for being diligent with that. We want to keep strife contention and unnecessary argumentation out of the live chat. If you do have valid questions, try to, try to pose them in a non-accusatorial and loving way. Make sure that they're a loving question and not a dig. All right, so we really appreciate everyone that's here. Without further ado, let us bring on our panel tonight. We've got quite a few brothers to introduce. Uh, first off the bat, I just want to introduce Ken Heiderbrecht from Hanging On His Words. Welcome, brother.
1: My bad. Sorry I was on mute there. <laughs>
0: it's all right. It's I'm all right. Uh, I'm
1: doing I'm doing good. Thank you so much, brother. I'm uh I'm dealing with the unspoken illness, if you know what I mean. So last couple of days have been rough, but yay, yeah, this is this'll be good. I'm looking forward to chatting with you, bros.
0: Awesome, brother. I'm so glad to have you here tonight. Thanks for <laughs> joining us. We also have Wes Blaze from West Blaze Music join us tonight.
2: Seven Domes Shalom Kingdom Fam. Blessed to be here. Thank you for having
0: me. <laughs> and then we have uh, our brother Josh Keith from Founded Earth Brothers. Welcome.
2: Hello, family. Great to be
3: here.
0: Was that your uh, announcement horn? The herald, the herald yeah. came in with that horn. Yeah, it <laughs> that was me. <laughs> <laughs> we also have our brother Matthew Jansen from Ministers of the New Covenant. Welcome, brother.
4: Hey, Shalom from under the dome, brother Wes. <laughs> got it, got it. <laughs> I am privileged to be here. I'm so looking forward uh, for this. Thank you, Brother Sean, for inviting me.
0: Yeah, I'm glad glad we could do this. I also want to introduce to the channel Young Don Reborn. Don, welcome, brother. Good to have you.
4: Hey, it's I'm glad
5: to be here, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, you know, it's an honor being in the presence of all y'all Bible teachers.
0: <laughs> yeah I think you can bring up some uh, interesting perspectives so I'm really happy you joined us tonight and last but not least um, he may not even be last we got a couple other people trying to join Andrew LeClaire from outside the camp welcome brother
6: hey thanks Sean. thank you so much for having me on with this discussion with all these spirit-filled brothers I'm I'm so excited to get into it tonight
0: awesome 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 so we wanted to talk about uh, the Holy Spirit pretty much as a, as a general concept um, I know that the mainstream doctrine in most churches teaches a triune God. And as a part of that teaching, they claim that Father, Son and Holy Spirit are three distinct persons, but yet they're all sharing the same essence and being. Now, that's the I guess I would say the dominant doctrine. I don't know if we if we want to go into modalism, we can, but um, we'll leave that up to the flow of the conversation. So. Um, just getting word from a couple of the other guests are going to be joining us a little bit later, but they're but they're still looking to jump on. So we can go ahead and get started. Um, would anyone like to just start off and just tell us like your, maybe we should just do like a quick 30-second blurb each about our history of understanding the idea of the Trinity itself <clears throat> and whether that was a good or bad experience for you? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Ken, go ahead. You go ahead. Yeah,
1: let me do it. Yeah. First, I want to just... Uh... Matthew, it's nice to see you, brother. You said Shalom from under the dome. Uh-oh. Are you aware there's Uh-oh. a couple more of them or uh oh. You're not there yet?
4: <laughs> I was trying to prefer my brother, brother Wes. I'm trying okay. to my
1: brother. <laughs> so, okay, so Trinity, yeah. Um I was at Trinity for all my life. I um I grew up with it, didn't understand it, didn't know what it was at all. I just subscribed to it because my parents told me I had to, essentially. And um It wasn't until I moved out east in 2011 and I started working as a paramedic and uh, I had a paramedic partner who was a Jehovah's Witness, still is probably, Um, but he and I worked together on several occasions and we had many theological discussions and a lot of times the concept of the Trinity came up and he was very loving in his discourse and I was quite the knee jerker back then and uh, it was one of these things that i had first come into torah came to understanding god's law being applicable so um you know my foundations have had shifted a bit you know so i was like okay like i'll 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 entertain this this conversation but um i struggle with it i i thought man i cannot let go of my belief in the trinity because that's a one-way ticket to hell that's what i thought that's what i was brought up leaving being told in multiple churches that i had gone to throughout my life and um it wasn't until i like i said met this guy and we had many discussions and i eventually became a closet unitarian i guess you could say i was still kind of scared to tell people about it especially my parents but uh, i was like yeah this guy's making a lot of sense i can't um argue against what he's saying it's uh, it's too logical and um so i eventually transitioned to unitarianism and then uh you know i I didn't dabble with modalism but like i i started to study those other concepts out because i didn't even know what modalism was until i um tested the trinity and come to find there's oneness theology there's this there's that there's many variants of trying to understand the, uh, the the godhead right and um so yeah that's that's kind of been my my brief history on it um i haven't been a trinitarian since 20 i want to say 14 maybe 14 15 maybe and it's been freeing it's been so freeing you start to see the scriptures in a whole new light and you really do you start to understand god's message of the the gospel um a lot better more clear roles start to uh make more sense you start to appreciate who yeshua is all the more you, you really do you you think one thinks that you um are downgrading him in a way but you're not you're you're raising him up to the position that the father has given him and has foreordained for him since the beginning so it's beautiful
0: I don't want to stop your preaching, but that was the best 30 seconds you've had in a long time. Bro. <laughs> oh, yeah. 30 seconds. Sorry. Yeah.
2: No worries. <laughs> I'll try to keep it short. Um, I actually was very green behind the ears. I didn't grow up in a lot of denominational church teaching. We definitely didn't study the Bible very much growing up. And so I uh, just came into the community of believers online through my entryway into faith was biblical cosmology is what god used to make me realize that his word was true and that we can trust it and so i was just surrounded by a lot of people who very much clung to trinitarian doctrine and uh, a lot of oneness and i think that's where i fit in for the most of the time that i was uh studying scripture at the beginning was oneness understanding and um it, it to me that was co it coincided with trinitarian understanding from what i understood which wasn't very much but then um it was sean and ken's videos that i i felt like that was the last bit that i had to let go of even though i didn't have a lot that i needed to let go of i was still learning but a lot of sean and ken's videos really just made me question this understanding that even though i saw jesus is called god i didn't know what that meant but the more I learned how to use the words and understand the words on the page, according to their definition, the more it just unraveled and the truth began to shine. So I'm glad to be here with you guys. What about you, young Don?
5: Yeah, you know, um grew up in the church, but didn't understand anything that was going on around me. Um, within the last year, I found Jesus on my own accord and uh, um, started trying to pursue him and pursue knowledge and you know, um, got introduced into mainstream Christian thought. And it's just been a process of me unlearning, um, you know, these things. And then it got to the place where I realized, wow, it would turn out as if everything, every idea, every doctrine that's popular is also false. And so I'm just going down the list and eventually you get to the Trinity. And I was like, wow, everybody seems to agree with this right? This is, this is, this is the biggest popular doctrine there is. And, um, and so I was like, all right, time to test it. But the funny thing is I wasn't even testing it from the angle of Jesus not being God. I was like, of course, Jesus is God. Of course he's God. Um, I was testing it from the angle of is the Holy spirit a person. And then I realized, oh, wait a minute, this is, this is not working out here. Um, and then, uh, and in going into that, you come across people denying that jesus is god right that he's yahweh he's almighty right of course and um and at first i had the same knee-jerk reaction like nah i can't even i have to disregard all of his arguments against the holy spirit being a person now because he's denying the deity of christ you know how did he get this wrong but some just kept drawing me back drawing me back and then i was like i think this guy has an argument and so then i started really studying it out and then um I came to this conclusion and at that point honestly you know uh, sean and and all the brothers you've introduced me i've watched hours of all of your content right um, except andrew because you don't post enough but um three days ago don <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna catch up i'm happy to hear you're <laughs> posting again
0: but just Andrew's so, still you know, getting this channel going he's still going yeah
5: no we're gonna we're about we've got to get active brother we're gonna get you active but i appreciate point, it because your content's great you're a great speaker too um, but the point is um I was thought I thought I was going crazy I was like everyone thinks I'm crazy I'm we got to keep the law the earth's not a spinning ball right it's it's just like oh i I might be insane and then I find kingdom in context and through him finding all of you and I was like okay okay all right I'm not crazy and you guys are so much farther along in your your walk than I am and it, you know I'm learning from y'all and it just further encouraged me and um at a very dark time in my life i think god or at my walk because i when I, i'm a very transparent person and so i tell the, my viewers everything i like i'll find something in the bible and i'll run to the stream like guys you won't believe it <laughs> jesus is a god isn't it great we know the truth that's not and the reception just wasn't that energy it was <laughs> <laughs> and don
0: you didn't you didn't realize that whole time how they were defining god was different than that, than what you defined.
5: oh yeah as, right? i learned like i didn't know what it meant to be god elohim the fact that you cannot separate the word god from off a position of authority and that's what trinitarians attempt to do they turn god into an essence instead of a position right mm-hmm. and that's what makes yahweh the father god his he is at the top of everything and so, yeah, I, you know, I learned a lot, you know, about you know, it. you
0: know how uh, they always talk about uh, and I talk about this, too, because it's factually true. Elohim is a plural term in the Hebrew. Mm-hmm. You just have to look for the context of how it's being used. But Trinitarians, they just always make it a plural because they're talking about that essence, that shared essence. But what's not a plural is the almighty. Yeah. There's only one almighty. Right. That's a singular term every time. And this is what I, I always point people back to Exodus chapter six, where the, the angels telling Moses, you know, before. To the patriarchs before you i revealed myself as the almighty you know what i mean so like there it's a singular concept and uh, all authority hope, flows down from the almighty
1: sean i'm hoping that um ai doesn't do a revision on on the scriptures and, and make the almighty almighty's <laughs> download it
0: now <laughs> download your bibles now guys because they're going to yeah yep i'm sorry but anyway uh don that was awesome yeah it's great i'm really happy that you found us um Hopefully, clearly, you found us, and we weren't so crazy that you immediately clicked <laughs> off on us. So you kept watching a few more things, and uh, here you are, you know, in the Heretic family. <laughs> so yeah, it's how impressive oh,
1: how how much you learned so quickly, yeah. you, man. Your videos are pretty sweet, dude.
5: Uh yeah. no, nah, thank you, man. You know, it's um, it's been it's it's you guys are a godsend. Let me just say that you guys are a godsend for sure. Mm-hmm.
7: Yeah,
0: your and animation you is cool seen- too. Have you seen uh, Don's new animated heretic video? Have you seen that? Where he's, I'll, I'll send it to you after the show, Matthew.
4: Yes, you'll, I, you'll it's love it. my first time being introduced to young Don. I'm guessing he put the reborn in there because of what's happened in the last year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, um, I
5: used, to, I was a heathen before oh man brother <laughs>
4: welcome welcome brother it's a blessing to have you and i can i can see the glory shining on your face brother from all, all right, this that you. you're getting and it's all beautiful that right, might beautiful. just be the oil thank you brother yeah
5: so matthew how, how did you come into this um i mean i've heard your testimony but for the fans you know
4: yeah long story short uh, I was raised one Pentecostal. So I, this is all I've ever known um, since the early 80s. You know, 10 evangelism, my uncle was a faith healer and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not knocking every bit of that. I'm glad for my foundation and my upbringing, good Christian parents. Um, but I came into understanding the Creator's name, the Sabbath, the dietary laws, and, and several other minor laws back in 97 and 98. And I remained oneness. And I thought that, you know, that was it because we were taught Jesus only in the one is Pentecostal church. Jesus was the name of the father, son, and Holy ghost, one God, uh, three manifestations or three offices. Uh, I tell people it's kind of like when Clark Kent used to get in the phone booth and he'd come out Superman It's the same guy. He's in another costume, right? <laughs> another disguise, not exactly modalism, but you kind of get the drift. Mm-hmm. I was challenged to, um, I was challenged on the oneness belief uh, by Trinitarians and it made more sense to me because I kept seeing that the father and the son were separate or distinct like Trinitarians like to say uh, in the scriptures. And there was just too many verses, too many Bible verses. So I switched to Trinitarianism around 0203. That's all that I thought there was. I thought it was oneness and Trinity. I didn't know there was anything else back then. And then I, I bought a DVD of a debate between James White and Greg Stafford. James White's a Reformed Baptist. Greg Stafford back then was a Jehovah's Witness. And I bought the debate because I was, I was listening to James White a lot back then in the early 2000s um, on The Dividing Line, his, uh, his podcast or radio show, whatever. And I wanted ammunition for the Trinitarian position. And I still remember the night that I I put it in the DVD player. That was before all the digital stuff. And uh, I got through watching the debate and I just sat there and I backed it up and watched it again. (laughs) (laughs) Because Stafford made more sense to me. Mm. And and I'm not a Jehovah's Witness. I never have been. I've been to several Kingdom Halls. As a matter Mm -hmm. of fact, the local Kingdom Hall is the nicest church I've ever been to in my life, when I say nicest, I mean the people are the most cordial. I've never been to yeah. a congregation that was more cordial than our local Kingdom Hall here in now, the real, city. Now, real quick, Matthew,
0: I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but I don't, I don't think anyone on this panel tonight is a Jehovah's Witness. Is that right? No, Correct. nobody's a Jehovah's Witness. Okay. I've been
3: called that many times. But oh, you know.
0: You've been accused of it, right? <laughs> yes. No one's. Marlo used okay.
2: to be, but he's not here yet.
0: Yeah, Marlo's going to jump on. He actually was raised, I think, in Jehovah's Witness, so and he came out yes. of it. He's got a great testimony. And then, uh, another little pulse check. Nobody's here is a Mormon. Is that right? Right. No, but nobody believes you're going to inherit your own planet when you get deified. I don't even believe in that cosmology anymore. So no one's, no one's a J-dub. No one's a Mormon. Yeah. We just want to read the scripture, keep it in context and try to figure out what it's saying. Right. It's I very mean. simple. I mean, but, I mean. you go ahead, Matthew. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just thought I'd make no. that disclaimer for everyone watching.
4: It's okay. Thank you, brother Sean. Um, and so then I got to studying what's called in theology biblical Unitarianism, and there's there's a few different veins of that. You know, we've I've had a show. We me and Brother Sean's done a show with a couple other brothers on the preexistence thing, and I don't make a huge deal out of that because um, people who believe that Yeshua literally preexisted. To me, they still believe in an almighty, like Brother Sean said, or a most high, right? You can't get any higher than the most high. <laughs> and Yahweh is the most high. He's the ancient of days, the almighty El Shaddai. And and they believe in a separate son who has been given, Matthew twenty-eight eighteen all power and authority. But it's a derived power, a derived authority. He's been given that. He obtained immortality uh, because of his perfect life. The father was obligated to raise him from the dead. He never transgressed the Torah. So it's a beautiful thing. He's our elder brother, our high priest, our soon coming king. Um, And that was around 2005 when I recognized that Yeshua uh, was not Yahweh, but he was Yahweh's son or Yahweh's Messiah. Messiah means God's anointed king. Um, And man, my life just blossomed when I began to understand that. I appreciated Yeshua more and Mm -hmm. I appreciated and worshiped almighty Yahweh more and so i like to witness uh, to people about it like young don said it's not always received but right we just witness we plant seeds or we water seeds and we hope that some of them fall on the good soil but i've been believing this now since since 2005 and i don't see me changing it's not that i'm closed minded to truth that i don't understand but you know there comes a point where you just see so many scriptures stacked on top of each other that you're like, well, this, I'm not changing on this. I mean, it's like, you know, keeping the Sabbath. I'm not going to stop keeping the Sabbath. I mean, I'm pretty solidified in that. Well, I feel the same way with, with this doctrine. I don't think somebody can show me where the father and the son are conflated or the whole essence substance thing. That's later Gentile Christian development, you know, The Trinity really didn't even get developed until probably the Council of Constantinople in 381 A.D. So it's a later, you you pick up any good theological or academic encyclopedia or dictionary, it is a later Gentile Christian, when I say Gentile, I mean non-Israel, non-Jew Christian development. um, Matthew, I know
0: know you're busy, brother. I know you got a lot going on, you're a pastor of a church, in addition to have a, a quickly growing following on TikTok as well. Um so I don't expect you to watch all my videos but did you uh, did you see my video last night where I actually reviewed the history of the the Trinity dogma No I didn't no, see it yeah. brother Sean is it on YouTube Yeah it's under my live streams from just last night and I, I delved deep into the idea of where where did this terminology of homoousios even come from mm-hmm. who first started using it why did they adopt it in these councils what's it really mean and ultimately it's it's pretty baffling because they literally just mm-hmm created grabbed a Greek word that the Gnostics used to define the essence of the supreme being, and they yeah. applied it to their definitions and descriptions of the Father and the Son. Yes. But we already have a biblical definition of what the essence of the Father is. They're made of spirit. Like it's already given to John four twenty four. I mean, this is, we already understand what heavenly beings are made of. Um, Paul explains this, the, the only two ontologies in First Corinthians 15. And so it's amazing that it's like they completely ignored that entire concept from Scripture and just made up their own special, mm-hmm. undefined, incorporeal essence of ontology and borrowed language from the Gnostics in order to try to define it. It's truly baffling. And then, of course, then here comes Theodosius and stamps the approval on it. Hmm. At the cons- uh, right before the Council of Constantinople, and um, and then therefore it's codified, and anyone who disagreed is now labeled a heretic. Yeah. This is not this is not a divine word from Yahweh through the prophets. This is right. not, and so this is why I just want to draw uh, everyone's attention tonight as we discuss these ideas. Um, the, the people that have studied the Trinity, not the laymen, but people that have studied it and try to teach it, or people that have been to seminary. Um, they don't use the word God the same way that that most people do. Whenever they hear the word God, they think of three persons wrapped in one essence, and so therefore they can easily say, "Oh look, this says Yahweh; it must be talking about all three, mm-hmm. Right? Genesis one one in the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. Therefore, it must that's their immediate interpretation is three persons. It's mentioning three persons. See, it's right there. So they they have this this uh, unique. Uh, presupposition definition, if I could put it like that, um, that that leads to a whole bunch of confusion on this topic. So in my live stream last night, Matthew I actually reviewed a debate between Unitarians and Trinitarians.
4: Oh, I can't wait. <laughs>
0: and the the Unitarians at one point actually asked the Trinitarians, So do you ever do you see a precedent in, in the scriptures that would suggest the Father has a God if you think all of them are God? And the and the Trinitarians just shook their head yes and they said yes. Wow. Oh my and, and I was wow. just like blown away. I'm like, this, this is not reading <laughs> comprehension. This is wow. not what the Bible says at all. There's a, there's a most high, there's an almighty and that's it. And then he, everything else is under him just like first Corinthians 15, 25 to 28 states. Yes. The, you know, the son will never, you know? So I think personally, when we get into as uh, I'm, I i do not want to interrupt Josh and Andrew for them to give their, their testimony. But as we get into this conversation a little bit deeper, I, I hope that we can tackle, The three legs of the Trinitarian creed, which is the co-equal, co-eternal and co-substantial, because the co-substantial is the true glue within that creed. They believe in this essence thing, which is a Gnostic idea from philosophy. It's not from scripture. And so this is where they use a different definition of God when they talk. And that's what causes so much confusion. People just don't even know what they're saying. That's why you see the chat being spammed with Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. You guys have all seen that in your chats, right? People just come <laughs> in there and start spamming. Oh gosh, yeah. Jesus he is God. Is. Jesus is God. Yeah, it gets wild. But uh, Josh, tell us your tell us your experience with this.
3: Dude, mine's been interesting. I didn't come from a denomination when I found this. I didn't know about the creeds. I didn't know about any of that stuff and the history and the, the persecution that followed and and all of that. I was actually a young teenager, I think 17 years old, uh, new believer. And I'm, I'm trying to pray to the Father. I'm trying to pray right. I'm trying to do things the right way because I'd been doing them the wrong way. And um, I remember going to these churches and I would see people, some of them were praying to the Father and praying to God, and some people were praying to Jesus. And I got really confused. I'm like, if I'm going to be spending all my time praying, I want to know how to pray. And so I went to the Father. I didn't know there was the Trinity concept. I didn't know there was the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I just knew there was the Father and a Son. And the Father has his Holy Spirit, that he is a spirit. And so I remember praying, you know, Father, show me the truth about this, how I'm supposed to pray, because I want to get this right. This is the most important part of our lives is how we pray. And so the Holy Spirit revealed to me that we're to pray to him, just like the beloved son came and told us to do in the first place. And if we listened to him, it would have been a lot easier. But to pray to the Father like he did and when you start doing that when you start walking like the messiah did he prayed to his father he said father quite often when you start doing those things you're going to have people persecuting you like they did him and it's going to get it's going to get ugly but uh, it's the it's the right way to walk that's why you know jesus says over seven i think seven times that i've seen he has a god and when Revelation chapter 3, verse 12 is fulfilled and he writes the name of his God, as he says, on us and his new name, it's going to end the debate once and for all. And so it's, I feel like this is extremely important, and I'm not anti-Trinitarian. A lot of people go to the comments and say, you're anti-Trinitarian. None of us are anti-Trinitarian. Most of us, I think uh, several here, were Trinitarian. And so it, it's a humbling. Whenever I've seen somebody come out of that, which is rare, Um, they said, you know, I had one, one of the first times this ever happened. Somebody said, I was angry. I was sending you some hate. I'm really sorry. I went away and I prayed and I said, father, show me the truth on this. And he said, the father revealed that what you were saying was true. And so they went away and they humbled themselves. So it's about humbling themselves. That's why the greatest in the kingdom of heaven are the humble, not the ones that know the most, not the ones that, you know, have all these things going on or run the most churches. It's the ones that are humble like a small child. So like young Don was saying, he felt like he was becoming crazy. And really, you're becoming a fool because the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. And when you start gaining the father's wisdom, you realize that you're not going to believe what everybody else does. So essentially, you're becoming a fool. And people are going to look at you like you're crazy, but we're supposed to make people do exactly that.
2: Josh, your mic is on fire right now from all that heat you just spit. That was powerful. <laughs> Amen.
6: All right. Well, what about you, Andrew? Go ahead, brother. Yeah, you—you you were mentioning that. You know, you asked you know, don't they do that on your live streams or whatever? Uh, Jesus is God and all these things. But the, the truth is, no, they haven't really done that. I think a few have done it, but it's been random and irrelevant to the conversation uh, that we're that we're in but i i mean i'll be honest i haven't i haven't uh crossed this bridge as far as debates go yet but I'm, i want to uh and the reason for that is because one i only uh was a trinitarian even up to a year ago and so <clears throat> i've only understood that the father's commandments uh torah is still valid uh two and a half years ago uh maybe th- maybe three years ago now uh, during the pandemic so i've really been just growing in that truth and it's amazing, and, and I'm sure all you brothers can attest to this too. Once you once you get there, you start to realize just how much you have to deconstruct. There's so much more to untangle, and so much more you find out. And you, and but I tell you, I was okay with just continuing to to bear my cross and to go go with Yeshua, even to the point of being rejected, uh, getting stoned. It doesn't matter. Uh, I was I was probably at a point being being in the streets you know and just people just hated me so much they were throwing things at me i was just like you know what this is if this is where i go that's fine um i'm not always in that uh mode that's it's very scary sometimes but one place when when i came in contact with this truth that i did not want to go was the trinity (laughs) casting away the trinity it's amazing how how much that had a, a hold on my life and i remember only listening to ministries that believe in the trinity i mean even if they were torah observant it didn't matter but um you know sean sean's a different uh guy you know he's very patient and and when he was talking to these trinitarians and ken as well in in your videos with about the trinity and and wes and matthew uh and i think josh had uh, sean on for a little bit you guys have talked about this subject but you guys all have played a key role in my um in, in my the process of being able to detach from the trinity but it was probably about four months ago that i was really starting to be open and uh you know i didn't want to say anything in the first year that i kind of was like questioning but four four months ago when i finally was asked like are you a trinitarian i was like no i don't subscribe to trinitarianism and i finally said it out loud and in, in public and i was like you know what this feels right you know it's not just that it feels right it's just that this is this is where i'm gonna land you know this is be open about it it's this this seems to to coincide with the scriptures and that's really what what made me come to it It was the scriptures and and seeing um that the the trinitarians that you were talking to sean even if they maybe made a good point just how condemning they were and they, they were so ready to just anathematize everybody that didn't agree with them and i'm like at the very least It's not a salvation issue, so why are they making it this way?
0: Well, but that they do make it, though. That's the thing that I've tried to break down in several videos recently is the way they define God makes it a salvation issue for them because they they create this essence thing, and that's why they say God had to die for you as opposed to what Romans 5 talks about is that Adam got us into this problem and here comes Yeshua as a perfected, a man who's perfect in his deeds who gets us out of this problem. So, like, you know, there's they they redefine God and, and it causes them to literally redefine why Jesus was sent. That's why they never talk about the priesthood of Christ. And they always just focus on Jesus is God, Jesus is God, Jesus is God. But by the way, you said uh, when you said you're out in the streets, just for some context for the people watching, um, you're not out in the streets selling drugs or running around or racing cars. You literally go out in the streets and do apologetics and you street witness. You got that on your channel. Go check out Outside the Camp. You guys are going to love some of the conversations that he's been in. Uh, it takes a lot of bravery. And, um, and in that, in like manner, Andrew, I'd say if you do want to get into debating Trinitarians on YouTube and get in that space, uh, there's, there's one way that I train for that. And um, I have my wife put out lit matches on my skin and kick me in the balls daily so that that way I can I can take on these Trinitarians because they get really, really wild, really out of pocket.
7: Um, So, yes, you're you're right.
0: (laughs) Let her take that aggression out on you and it'll help you for the help you keep maintain your composure during these discussions. But um, but that's but that is like that's very interesting. So I think a lot of us, maybe you and young Don at this point are. Um, probably the newest to coming out of this doctrine, right? I used to yeah. teach this doctrine for anyone listening. I used to think the Trinity was legit, and I used to teach it. I always I had this computer analogy that I would give. I would say the Father is the hard the hard drive, the Son is the monitor. He represents the information, and the Holy Spirit is the power cord that makes it all come together. You know, I thought I was slick with some kind of little analogy, and uh, but I had no clue what I was saying. I was still young in the faith at that time. That was probably like. 18 19 years ago and um and so i had now that i started to study the scriptures and research what the words actually mean i saw a huge disconnect between the definitions of god the the definitions of the role of the messiah to be a high priest versus the conflated authority structure that this three co-equal co-eternal co-substantial doctrine was teaching and i and i was like there's a huge issue here so uh topic of tonight within that three persons one essence uh doctrine is uh, the rarely spoken about third person, and that's the Holy Spirit. That's why I wanted to ask you guys to jump on tonight, and uh, let's give a little perspective here on do do any of us think that the Holy Spirit's an actual person? So like if I went to heaven and I saw the Father and I saw Jesus. By the way, a lot of Trinitarians don't even believe the Father's real. They don't even believe he has a body,
7: Hmm. just
0: just so you guys know. Uh, Judaism teaches that the Father doesn't have a body. Catholics, Eastern Hmm. Orthodox, they all teach that the father doesn't actually have a real body. I don't know what they think Daniel was seeing in Daniel chapter 7. Um, I, don't know, I don't know what they think Yeshua is talking about when he says he sits on his throne with his father. I don't know what they think in Revelation 5 when the lamb walks up to the one holding the scroll sitting on the throne. I don't know what they think about it because every time I try to ask them a question about it, this is all I get. We were talking about how they receive these arguments earlier, but this is, the, this is what I, I experience when I try to ask tough questions about this topic. I, I just mm-hmm. get this. You guys remember this, where he yells out "Trinity" and then he starts dodging bullets. <laughs> classic. <laughs> that's, classic. That's there's the that first bullet is the definition of God. The second bullet is the priesthood of Christ. The third bullet is the, the authority structure that the co-equal argument doesn't line up to. Yeah. So like that's that's all I see every time I start mm-hmm. asking legit questions, is I just hear someone yell "Trinity" and they're like, and they just start dodging. <laughs> so this is a uh, to me this has become a huge issue because you're trying to have a loving conversation you're trying to you're you're trying to gain ground for edification and not for condemnation and so i think it's really important that you know if i can even i think the big distraction in this topic is is the uh, trinitarian stance where they they want to make you focus on the creed of of saying the son is eternally begotten but that's mm-hmm. the distraction in my experience of debating trinitarians um the equal thing even if they believed that Yeshua was co-equal before he became in the flesh, since he became in the flesh, and now that he's glorified in the high priest position, um, he's never equal in authority to the Father ever again. First Corinthians 15 should clear that up. So that that's out the window for them, in my opinion. They don't even have an argument for that. The co-eternal thing, they can argue that all day long. That's the distraction. I think the co-substantial thing, when they try to redefine the essence of
6: Sean frozen. Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. When,
1: when they try to read those that. demons, hate, hate, when he talks yes. about Trinity, eh?
3: Mm.
1: Yep. Yeah. I guess, can we do this without him, guys? Yeah, let's go ahead. Just keep him out and we'll continue on. Or what?
7: <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> yep. Took the Demons hundreds of years to create those creeds and all of those many changes they've done along the way. Um, I mean, there's there's some powerful verses out there that support it. When you and then when you look at them, it's always the ones that have been changed, like the Johannine comma.
7: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, going back to the Septuagint the God instead Isaiah. of the biblical. There he is. I oh,
2: hey I, Sean. You know. nope. Nope. he's No, still coming back. We've already had somebody in the chat to uh, mention First John five seven. What do you guys mm-hmm. think about that? 1
6: yeah, John what
2: five seven? Yeah, oh, that's yeah. that's the Johannine comma.
7: That's fun. the
3: beloved. It's a famous one, but it was added later. Uh, so just look up. It's Joe if I'm saying it right, Johanine, J-O-H-A-N-N-I-N-E. Whoa, we got a trinity of Sean's. comma <laughs> <laughs> <Johanine, laughs> is he mine becoming
0: mine a trinity? Oh, no. <laughs> I don't even know what's happening. Hang on a second, guys. I don't know why. If you can get a third one, dude, then I might have to go back. That might be a sign. <laughs> might
1: I might go back to Trinitarianism. <laughs> yeah, I'm
5: starting to understand this it's whole uh, two people, one being uh, thing. There we yeah. go.
3: When you saw two of Sean, were they co-equal? I don't know.
6: (laughs) Well, you know what's interesting is about uh, what Sean said is uh, that most Trinitarians, I don't know if he said most, but some Trinitarians don't even believe that the Father has a body. But, like, I've also heard so many Trinitarians argue that there's three bearded men and one God. I was listening to uh, David Pawson. I think is his name. David Pawson. Does that sound right? Do you guys... Yeah, English guy. Yeah. Guy. And he was preaching on Trinity Sunday, which was something he was, uh, he was making an apologetic lesson about. He was like, listen, I'm kind of upset that most Christians don't know how to defend the Trinity and, and all these things. And he was telling the story about how this he knew this man um, who went to prison, and then he was falling asleep on this Bible, and then he started having visions of three men in his cell And he said, I know who you are. You're the Father, you're the Son, and you're the Holy Spirit. Three bearded men, just like the Bible says. And after that, he started converting all the people in prison. And it's just so weird. I'm like, wait a second, you believe the Holy Spirit is a bearded man, a a third bearded man of the Trinity, of of the Godhead? That's interesting. That threw me off.
7: Mm -hmm.
4: I used to listen to R.C. Sproul back in the early 2000s, and uh, I remember one time he was teaching on Mark 12, 28 through 32, where – he said Jesus is citing the creed of, of the Jewish people, the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. And um, when he cited it, he said he's uh, Jesus said, hero, Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. But yet he had his hand behind his back holding up the number three when he was citing the Shema. Mm-hmm.
7: Mm-hmm. I was like,
4: see, man, yeah, yeah. see, <laughs> you know, yeah. stretching. But you hear these kind of things and. I mean, the Bible is very forthright on doctrines that we must believe and especially must believe for salvation. Any of the core doctrines about the Father and the Son or the perfect life, the death, the resurrection of of Christ, we can go to clear, uh, not implicit Scripture, and we can share them with somebody And the Trinity. You you just cannot do that. Um, Nobody, I think Brother Sean mentioned the other day, uh, you could put, you know, 10 men with a Bible on an island or something to that effect. And none it's, of them would come up with a doctrine of the Trinity without unclean
6: uh, spirits, though,
4: without unclean spirits. That's yeah, right. That's the no thing. Nephilim on the island. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's what I've been talking about for like the last week is like Colossians eight talks about uh, the unhealthy controversy. People invest in semantics based off human traditions and spiritual forces of this world. And that's the thing of of and he's talking about don't be taken captive by philosophy and empty deception that's based on the human traditions and spiritual forces of this world. And that's where I was trying to say the the Trinity concepts of the homoousius or the homoousion, depending on what you want to argue in your in your Greek scholarly classes with Dr. James White, whatever you want to argue about that, you that's all of it is not the description of of God who is spirit and Yeshua, who is resurrected as a life-giving spirit, and the angels who are ministering spirits, that is not the ontological description of heavenly beings. Mm-hmm. So this this comes from a philosophical stance from Aristotelian philosophy from ancient Greece. Like this is literally the description of their supreme being of Zeus worship, and that, because people don't know history, they don't know where philosophy actually comes from. And I'm not saying it's wrong to think thoughts which is what philosophy, you know, you sit around doing like they did in Athens in, Acts, in mm-hmm. Acts 17. I'm not saying it's wrong to think thoughts. I'm just saying when you when you thinking thoughts and and looking at something from a different angle causes you to ignore what's plainly already spoken and described in Scripture and then redefine the, the nature and body of God and, or ignore that, that the Father has a body, as Scripture tells us, then you've got a huge misstep in your doctrine. Mm-hmm. And then, of yeah. course, what's worse is they add they add egregiousness and malice onto error by saying, if you don't like our redefinition of this, you're a heretic Mm. and we are not going to fellowship with you.
7: Mm. And that's,
0: that's where to me it's, it has to be addressed. I don't want to be in this thing where people are shouting at me and calling me a heretic and, you know, telling me I'm not of the faith, when I've literally dedicated my life for the last 20-plus years to Christ, when I've been in the streets witnessing to people, when I've had people almost beat me up for trying to witness to them, like when I've saw miracles in my literal own life, when I've had gifts of the Spirit flow through me and cause people to come to Christ, like that, that didn't happen just because I was walking around. I put time in. I put effort and faith into those things to have that testimony and those stories in my life to dedicate my heart and life to Christ. And so it, it becomes extremely egregious for another believer to say you're not in the faith because they deemed so based yeah. on a philosophical redefining of who God is. And yeah. I think that this is a problem that has to be <laughs> has to be talked about because um, there's too many people out there that we get letters, we get comments. There's too many people out there that that they're just they tell us over and over, just like all of us, almost almost all of us said when we introduced ourselves to this topic. We were told we had to believe this, but we didn't really understand it, and that's the way everyone else feels in the audience as well. They can't really just explain it. I mean, you some of you guys have seen me debate actual pastors and apologists and PhDs, and when I actually ask them a few tough questions, they can't really explain it. You know, they mm-hmm. fall back on the the paradox or the mystery. You know, and and I'm just like that's it's not a mystery. It's explained. You know, so yeah. hey, we got Michael's coming in tonight. This is oh, all right. Michael Media. Michael Temperato. what's up? What's up, brother? Welcome, brother.
8: Hey, thank you, guys. You know, I thought 7 p.m. CST is my 8 p.m.
0: <laughs> it's my Sorry age. about that. It's all right, man. We're glad you can make oh, so you're it. On, you're on. You're actually it.
3: early, then. Good job. me. <laughs> <that. laughs>
0: we actually, it's perfect timing, Michael, because you, um, uh, we just finished kind of sharing, um, like a little 30 to 60 second review of our of our experience with the Trinity and how we've come to realize it's not what we were told. So would you like to share your thoughts?
8: Sure. Yeah. Uh, You know, in summary, I always believed the Trinity because it's what I was taught. Uh, The more I dove into scripture and began to sort of expand my education, I realized that it's uh, not as simple as it's put forth and it seems to set out a a lot of things that I I now find contradictory. And, you know, I mean, I think Jesus is God or isn't God, depending on what we mean. You know, I think sort of the same thing with the Holy Spirit. You know, I think that, uh, you know, it all depends on how we talk about it. But probably my biggest problem, just to not go on forever, is I think in many ways it's become a system of hierarchy within the church where, you know, it's sort of like this Trinity sort of club. And uh, I find that there's a lot of judgment and a lot of pride surrounding it. And they make people feel like they're not even saved if they don't accept the Trinity just as they do. You know, one thing I tell people is that if the Trinity is true, this is like the most complex doctrine of all the scripture. You know, it's certainly not the thing to be making, uh, you know, ultimative statements on. So that's sort of just my preliminary position. It's a mystery, right.
0: So what what would be a verse that you guys think uh, supports the Holy Spirit as a person that you've seen Trinitarians use? First of all, does everyone think that the Holy—I mean, does does everyone—who who thinks the Holy Spirit's a person? Who thinks it's not a person, an actual person? Like, if you went to heaven, would you see the Holy Spirit, like, standing up, talking to you? <clears throat> does anyone think that?
5: Um, you know, this. I did. I did um see a video with some guy trying to explain how it's not a person but it's also not just a force or a power i thought that was an interesting take um you know uh, so
7: what, so was what his, is uh yeah, yeah what was so,
5: so he's, he's like he doesn't have a definition for it okay and i think yeah and i think that is as like much liberties as i think anybody should be able to To take with the Holy Spirit. I think this the most straightforward way to understand it is as a power or a force. But if you want to get a little like, you know, as you say, philosophical about it, right, and trying to read into the verses that seem to personify the Holy Spirit, um, I think there's nothing wrong with saying it's something we don't understand. It's something we don't understand in the sense of it is the spirit of the Father, but at the same time uh, it seems to have some sense of personality about it you know um that's the way how i personally see it right now it's 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 an i don't understand in the same way i don't understand how i'm speaking to any of you guys right now you know what i mean (laughs) like it's just it's magic it was the closest thing you know you guys are on my screen i don't get it so i don't understand exactly what the father is doing with his spirit that results in a you know in the apostles writing about the spirit you know um feeling certain things or anything like that but in the greater context of everything well what's clear to me it's not he's not a third person you know what i'm saying he's the spirit of the father right? right i you know how we all have a spirit the spirit of the father so that's the most interesting take i think i've seen that colors outside the trinitarian view or just the you know it is like a force like how electricity is a power but yeah that's so, the, that's much other i've seen
0: check out this so this is numbers chapter 11 most people always want to talk about the holy spirit and they go right to the new testament mm-hmm. but i know that god's holy spirit existed before the new testament right <laughs> so what was it doing Right? And and was it coming down in some sort of bodily form as if it's an indistinct person? Um, so, Numbers 11, 24, Moses went out and related to the people the words of Yahweh, and he gathered 70 of the elders of the people and had them stand around the tents. Then, Yahweh came down in a cloud and spoke to him. And he took some of the spirit that was on Moses and placed that spirit on 70 elders. As the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. But they never did so again. Two men, however, who remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other melt me dead and the spirit rested on them they were among those listed but they had not gone out to the tent and they prophesied in the camp so even the dudes that didn't show up for the meeting got a dose of the spirit and began prophesying
7: hmm.
0: how is this any different than acts two
7: hmm. yeah. Can you spoke guys <laughs> No, it's very good. I
4: mean, this is this is definitely uh, what we might call an extra dose of the spirit. You know, not that all believers didn't have the spirit. I think all believers in Yahweh have some kind of portion of Yahweh's spirit upon or in them. But here we see this extra dose, kind of like in Acts 2, where it enabled the apostles to speak in languages they'd never learned. Here we have an extra dose where mm-hmm. these 70-some-odd men are prophesying there in the camp. Um, it's the power of Yahweh coming mm-hmm. upon the spirit and power yeah. of Yahweh are are synonymous so that, that's a great uh, scripture there brother Sean whenever I talk to people um, about the Trinity and they ask me about the Holy Spirit I'll usually ask them I'll say what's the first mention of the Spirit of God in the Bible and most people you know don't don't know but it's in Genesis 1 verse 2 or right after in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth it says that the spirit of God the spirit of Elohim hovered or moved, Across the face of the waters. Uh, that's God in action. That's his presence, his spirit. So sometimes the spirit is personal in scripture, but it's not a separate person from Yahweh. See, so the spirit of Yahweh and Yahweh can be conflated in that it's still the person of the Father, or he can place that spirit, which can also be translated breath or wind as mm-hmm. it is. Many times in the KJV, he can place that, like Brother Sean showed in the book of Numbers, upon these these men of Israel. So it's, it's, it's effective divine power coming from Yahweh, sometimes equated with Yahweh, but not a separate body or a separate person from Almighty Yahweh. I and thought you were going you... to read through
2: verse 29, Sean, in Numbers 11 one? there, in verse 29, because it says that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. It ends there saying that uh, mm-hmm. it's his spirit, effectively. Yes. And that, that, to me, says, yeah. you know, what we're saying is that it's its part of him. It's not a, a separate entity.
1: But yes. but numbers, guys, it doesn't say Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's his
0: spirit. So, right? What about this? Because this kind of adds to what both Westblaze and Matthew are saying, Job 32, 8. But there is a spirit in a man, the breath of the Almighty, that gives him understanding. Ah, and good that's day. one
2: of the definitions. When you go to look at the word Ruach right. in Hebrew, it's, it says breath, right? The breath that's of right, life. Yeah. So Very
0: good. it's not just like, so what, what do you guys think they saw at the at the baptism of Christ when heaven's opened and the well, Spirit's in as up. a dove? Yeah.
1: Luke 3.22, well, that, I'll just go to that real quick. Oh, sorry, Josh. Oh, I'm no, but you're, you're you're actually pulling up the exact same verse I was going <laughs> to yeah, just To yeah. get back to what you said, Sean, like when you go to heaven, are you going to see the Holy Spirit in a corporeal nature, and I would say no. Um, but when we go to Luke three twenty-two, um, depending on which version you've got there, and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And so when you pull up the Greek, um, the word there "bodily" is uh, Strong's four nine eight four "somaticos," which means bodily or corporeal. So this is where, and I think Sean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think I've heard you say you think it was an angel that came down or something like that and, and anointed Yeshua in this moment. Maybe I'm wrong, but this is, I actually think that Yahweh sent his Holy Spirit in a form where people could literally see it. Whereas, as uh, Brother Matthew already said, like Numa or Ruach is wind, breath, spirit. So it's, it's, you can't see it, right? So he had to manifest the spirit in a way where people could see it literally coming down and be like oh okay this is this is different this is and then it rests on him and then it goes in him and then it goes away it's not like the dove literally went into him like in his mouth you know what i mean yeah. it's just a sign that hey this is from heaven this is the holy spirit normally you can't see it but i'm showing you a version of what this is by using a bird yeah well <laughs> otherwise no just not.
0: just for a quick context uh ken the reason why i suggested that in the past is because of the anointing of the prophets that I see a precedent for in the old Testament, where there was always an angel involved to, to give that higher authority to anoint that prophet. And that seems to be the beginning of the ministry of Christ. He was considered the prophet of God that was promised to come. And so that's why I thought that, but I'm not opposed to what you're describing. I just, I thought I, I'm going to show you guys here in a little bit. There's a, there's a place in acts where Trinitarians will say, look, here's the Holy spirit acting independently. But if you just go a few verses up, it literally says an angel of the Lord. Mm. So, yeah. Oh, wait one second, guys. Um, Marlo, Michael's back.
6: There he is. So sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. it's, no. all right, it's all right, man. Sorry.
4: Something real quick on the dove thing. Could not Yahweh manifest or reveal his presence in the form of a peaceful dove lighting upon the Messiah? You know, we have in Exodus 3 where Yahweh, he speaks through his messenger or his angel. And it's in the form of a bush that burns, but is not consumed. Uh, it's, it's just it's a way that Yahweh shows up. Um, he, he was in the pillar of uh, what was it? Cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Um, that doesn't mean it's a third person or a separate person. You know, uh, uh, bodily entity like, you know, like my body or, or or Yahweh's made in the image of Yahweh, but it's that Yahweh is showing up in his presence in these different forms or shapes uh, to signify a particular message to his people.
2: I've also mm-hmm. understood that pillar of cloud and smoke and fire to be an angel traveling along in the Exodus, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we think too, when like the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle of the temple, you have the presence of the spirit there seated right on the mercy seat Mm -hmm. and i've understood that that was an angel too so i think it does depend on the context sometimes sometimes the holy spirit Mm -hmm. is used as the the active uh workings of of the father and then other times he sends a, a corporeal angel even though they are spirit they're still bodily and i also in that luke what we were just looking at when it says descended like a dove i take that to be a descriptor of how it descended rather yes. than how it looked maybe mm-hmm.
3: yeah, it be. Be, yeah. yeah me too i'm I'm the
2: same with you on that wes
3: In that it, it descended oh, like you. a dove in bodily form but if it was another version of the most high it would have spoke this is my beloved son it would have said that itself but it was the father sending down the holy spirit the voice came from heaven after mm-hmm. this happened and there's mm-hmm. so much significance here with the river jordan this is where the ark of the covenant passed through and when it passed through and the waters parted, the significance there, according to the Father, was to show the people that he was with Joshua just like he was with Moses. And so then you see, and this was going into the promised land. There's, there's, this ties into a lot of different things. But um, later on you have Elijah, and you have Elisha going through the exact same place, the River Jordan. And so the spirit of Elijah wasn't his magical spirit. He didn't have some magical version of the breath of life. Compared to us, it was the Father's Holy Spirit doing these miracles. That's why you see when a double portion of that is passed on to Elisha, he does a double amount of miracles. And when you have Yeshua, you see even a double portion of miracles compared to Elisha. And so I I believe my my stance on that is the River Jordan is significant. And then you have the Father showing the people, I am with Yeshua right here, just like he was with Joshua, because that was... Sort of the purpose of the cross, not really the purpose of the crossing of the uh, River Jordan, but that was one of the things the father used to show the people he was with Joshua. So it makes sense that this is where he shows people, hey, this is my beloved son, you know, listen to what he has to say.
0: You guys think when when Yeshua was getting <laughs> baptized in the Jordan, you guys think the Hill of foreskins was still somewhere in the distance?
6: <laughs>
0: I, I, done hope done. <laughs> well, I hope not. I hope not. Anyway, but yeah. So what do you guys think about this one? 1 Kings eight, when the priest came out of the holy place, the cloud filled the house of, of Yahweh so that the priest could not stand there to minister because of the cloud for the glory of Yahweh filled the house of Yahweh.
2: Mm. I think, uh, that term glory of the Lord, glory of Yahweh is used synonymous with an angel. A lot of times of
0: trying to take, so you don't think that. it's like a, uh, just a big bright cloud, like a big bright fog cloud that came down and just, cause I've heard that preached. That. I've, I've heard it preached. They'll call it the Shekinah glory. Mm-hmm. And they'll say that the that that Shekana glory cloud comes down and just fills a place. And but do you you're so your West Plays, you're you're asserting that there is an actual angel causing this brightness.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm reminded, I don't know if it's a one-to-one exactly, but I'm reminded of, of like Exodus 3320, that nobody can see the face of the Father and live. We got Yeshua saying in uh John 640 uh yeah, six forty-six, not that anyone has seen the father except the one who is from God. He has seen the father. So I don't feel like it's like a, an embodiment of the father appearing before people. I think it's something that he sent, whether it be an angel or a manifestation of the spirit in some kind of way.
4: Yeah, maybe his presence. Like I, I, my mind goes to Psalm 51 in David's prayer where he says, um, cast me not away from thy presence, comma, take not Thy Holy Spirit from me. So I think the glory of Yahweh there in that text could be synonymous with the spirit of Yahweh or the presence of Yahweh, whether it was an angelic being, literal cloud. There was something there that was so thick uh, that the priest couldn't, you know, couldn't get into the tabernacle. There is what it sounds like. So good. I love your reference, Matthew.
0: Yeah, I love that (laughs) reference because there's literally angels called angels of the presence. Oh, that's that's good. 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 So, it's yeah, it's interesting, huh? Yeah,
1: I definitely think there's more angelic interaction taking place than most people realize throughout the scriptures, especially in the Old Testament. Mm.
0: This
8: actually brings well, one of the... I'm sorry, go ahead, Michael. Oh, I'm sorry, Sean. I was to say one of the reasons why that also, I think, makes more sense to me is because it seems to just align more with the concept of what a spirit is, right? When you think of a spirit, you're not thinking of something physical, right? Sort of by definition, it's like a, a non-physical like entity of some kind. Um, and I think in, in many places where we talk about spirit, we think of that in terms of a person. like a person can have a spirit, right? And so that would go back to, well, if the Holy Spirit is from the Father, then we're not saying it's a separate entity, right? The father fa- we believe the Father is a person, right? The Father has a spirit. see you know what I'm saying. But, but, but whenever would we call a spirit to be another person in itself, to me that's sort of contradictory to the meaning of the
7: word.
5: Yeah, and also just building off of that, right? Jesus has a spirit. The Father has a spirit. Does the Holy Spirit have a spirit? Is there a spirit of the Holy Spirit? You know what I'm saying? It's like when you try to just put it with all the, with the other members of the supposed Trinity, it, it's just very inconsistent. Um, another thing is, you know, the fact that it comes in the form of a dove, right? The, the form of a dove. Why not in the form of a person? Right. It, God said, let us make man in our image. Right. That's supposedly that's a Trinity. You know, that's a Trinity argument. Gotcha. Well, I mean, why is the the Holy Spirit coming not in the form of like a, a humanoid, like an angel or something like that, but a bird. Right. Um, I think or again, of it fire goes, or tongues of fire. Right. I think it goes hand in hand with the idea that the spirit is the spirit of the father being sent by the father and, you know, takes the form,
1: these various forms. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think we need some, um, where we really do need re-education, And I hate using that word because of obvious reasons in this world, but, um, we need to relearn what it means to be, um, like made in spirit, like what spirit is, because yes. like, like you guys have been saying, like most people, at least it's been my experience, when when you ask them what what is a spiritual nature what what is a spirit being um it's nothing like you know there's it's see through it's transparent it's glass mm-hmm. like it's you know what I mean there's nothing to it there's no tangible nature to it mm-hmm. and I just like I'm like well but angels were they're made of spirit but yeah. you know Jacob wrestled with one and um, some of them with
2: Abraham. They
1: eat all these things so and they're like well yeah okay well so if you can get kind of get the ball rolling in their mind get the cogs kind of moving a little bit um Mm -hmm. with that regard we just they need to understand how to define the word spirit a little bit better than what they've been told and i think if you can get them to do that they'll start to see that okay there's a little bit more especially where god is the father is concerned if you don't think the father has a body Mm -hmm. um So what just nothingness made everything like it was a a wispy nothingness just there in all existence before creating everything. Just like, you know what I mean?
7: Yeah.
4: Yeah. Like Brother Sean mentioned earlier and the goat about the body, how they don't believe that Yahweh has a body. Mm -hmm. I always go to Exodus 33. Yahweh tells Moshe, I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to put my hand. There's one part. My hand will be Mm -hmm. put over you and you'll see my back parts. But mm-hmm. you can't see my face. That sounds like a body to me—hand, mm-hmm. face, and back parts. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Or in so, Daniel seven and Enoch, where he's described as sitting on the throne, wearing a vesture, a garment, yeah. and then he has yeah. hair like wool. It says, like, these are very corporeal descriptors. Yeah. So his like, eyes
1: see everything. Like he's got eyes. Like it's—it makes sense, right? When you start seeing all the physical descriptions that point to Yahweh in, in his body things that you would otherwise overlook if you haven't really looked into it, but he's got a full set, of, like he's got the like you guys said, head, hair, arms, legs. It's almost as if we things.
0: were made in his image. Right. Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden,
1: that makes sense. We are made in his yeah. Oh, Okay, then, yeah. I was going yeah, to go addition,
2: to
0: John 14, too. Go ahead. I, I Yeah, I was actually just bringing up John 14, because this is where Trinitarians love to bring up these passages about the Holy Spirit, and they'll say, well, see, look, the, the distinct third and equal co-substantial part of the trinity um what uh what would you guys say on that
2: i was going to ask if we could start back at uh verse 16 and 17 all the way through what you got on screen because this is actually a verse this passage is what i've used in the past as a proof text when i did believe that the holy spirit was a separate third being so i'm very curious on you thoughts on it
7: can all right, so verse it?
0: 16 says, I will uh, ask the Father he will give you another advocate to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Uh, the world cannot receive him because he is neither sees him nor knows him, but you do know him, for he abides with you and will be with you. Yeah, so and the Father
2: gives another the Spirit of truth. It does sound, at first glance, like a third one.
0: Yeah, so, because, well, I don't see Trinitarians bringing this out, particularly in the argument, because they just mm-hmm. say Jesus is all you need, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But... I'm, I'm anxious to hear by his thoughts on these verses. Yeah.
3: If it was a literal third being and it's going to be out on all flesh with everyone, then there would be multiple different beings going to multiple different, you know, people, various people, unless it was just really massive and it was like part of the body was here and over there, you know, like it's, it's literally poured out like, like water, like it talks about in the prophecy, like pouring out his spirit. You can't pour something out if mm-hmm. it's, a bo- you know, like used only like a body or like a body form. As Jesus says, we have to worship Him in spirit. You know, He is a spirit; we need to worship Him in spirit.
4: So, so this is this is right. That's great thoughts there, Brother Josh. This is right here before Yeshua is put to death, and mm-hmm. so he's speaking to his closest uh, men, his disciples, and I think it's a reference to what they received in in Acts uh, one and two. Um, uh, you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and be my witnesses. I think they received an extra dose of the Spirit uh, that led and guided them into all truth. I think it was Yeshua after he, in the Gospel of John, after he resurrected, he breathed on his apostles, his disciples who became apostles when he sent them out. And he said, receive you the Holy Spirit. Whoever sins you forgive, they'll be forgiven. Whoever you, you retain, they'll be, they'll be retained. And so... I think that this is the comforter. It's a personification. It's like when Scripture says righteousness and peace kiss each other, or when charity is referred to as a female in First Corinthians 13. This Spirit is a comforter. He's an, a helper, some translations say, or advocate, some, some Bibles say, um, that come upon the apostles uniquely. Not that, you know, Matthew and, and, and all these brothers, not that we don't have a portion of Yahweh's Spirit, but the apostles are special. They, they walked and traveled with Yeshua. He breathed on them and said, receive you the Holy Spirit. They're the ones, you know, Peter's the one that stood up in Acts 2 and said, hey, listen to me. These guys aren't drunk, but this is that which the prophet Yoel spoke. So they got this extra dose, this, this mega dose of Yahweh's power or influence in their life. That's how I view uh, this John 14 through 16 here.
6: No, I, I actually went and looked at uh, specifically verse 17, and I looked at the the uh the pronoun here for him and the greek word is out and I, I mean you guys let me know if i'm pronouncing that wrong or if you guys have looked into this i'm sure you have but that word i'm trying to figure out because it doesn't necessarily need to say him it could also say there or even her which i'm kind of assuming it doesn't mean her um oh brother that's that's the part for the course with the greek i mean they the translator has to choose the context gender of, right yeah. And even, yeah they have to choose sorry even uh, for he abides with you and will be with you that, that even the he right there is not actually even in the Greek. No, really? You're right.
0: Yeah. It could be it as well. That's why my debate yes. with the Trinitarian one time I was saying it's the Holy spirit it, and he kept getting really triggered and he said, stop calling it it. It's a, he, it's a, he, it's a, he. And I was like, bro, just relax. It's the Greek can say he, she, it, there, that, like it's a, it's multi-use yes. depends on the context. You have to assume that it's a male personification and call it a him. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's, and uh, I've seen, so go ahead.
8: Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Sean. I was going to say that's called an anthropomorphism Yeah, where where you're prescribing essentially like a human-like trait um, to something obviously like non-physical, an object, um, an animal, something like that. So yeah, you're totally correct. That's it in, in the, in the language that's, that's literally what you would call it an anthropomorphism and that's not abnormal. That's perfectly normal within the context.
6: Now I had a question about uh what you guys were talking about about the agency uh, which is something I've learned from from you guys uh Ken Sean and and Wes, agency and I was wondering cuz I was trying I was listening about the uh the encounter on Sinai about the father uh do you guys believe that was actually the father or is that a manifestation of the father's glory through an angel I'm I'm just wondering what your guys' perspective is on that I I, I know I've listened to a lot of your videos but I'm forgetting exactly how you Articulate that. Can you go ahead, brother.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, briefly, uh, yeah, I do believe Yahweh Almighty Father did physically in corporeal nature essence whatever. He came down with myriads of angels, and um, that was like one the of the few times of... that he literally shows up on the earth. Okay. Yeah, but covered in like cloud cover and fire cover, um, and that is Matthew. Uh, pointed out earlier there was like one instance where he let moses literally see a part of his body His face can never ever be seen no, that would just decimate yeah. a human being but and it made his moses
4: butt. light up moses glowed after he saw the back back of yahweh <laughs>
7: right
4: it sounds yeah. like it sounds like yahweh shared some of his glory with Moshe. i know people misquote isaiah 42 where yahweh says he won't share his glory with another but he's talking about pagan gods graven images that he won't share his glory with he shared it with Moshe. He shared it with Yeshua. Remember on Transfiguration, Yeshua's face shone like the sun, it says. He was That's a prophet a like point. Moshe. So I agree with Ken. I, I think Yahweh Almighty came down on the mountain with obviously his angelic host.
6: So I hope well, now we, not, could, we,
0: could, we could, sorry, I'm starting to interrupt, but we could spend easily get deterred into the glory conversation for like two hours. I don't want to do that because I, I, I definitely know it'll take us away. But here's the the famous Trinitarian passage they try to use to support the Trinity that Jesus is God because God will not share his glory with another. But it literally says in verse 11 to the glory of the father. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So I can't, I I always try to remind them that Mm -hmm. anytime that the son is magnified and put in his position of all authority in heaven and earth, he still is pointing everyone back to the father. So the father can be glorified. This is, this is what first Corinthians 15 try to reiterate with, you know, even after his mission's done, and, and after all of his enemies are vanquished, and sin is defeated, and death, hell, and the grave are no more, then he's gonna turn everything he was given back over to his father so the father can be on all in all. Now, Trinitarians will say, so God can be on all in all because they're defining God differently. <laughs>
2: I know uh, people who cling to the Sefer translation use that verse a lot. That was a big sticking point in a lot of conversations I've had with Philippians too, because they translated it Yeshua is Yahuwah in that passage, and yeah. that's not what the text said.
0: No, I'm Pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure the author of the of the Sefer translation is a Trinitarian.
3: He is. Yeah, he he is. And um, yeah, another thing along with that is when it talks about jesus resurrecting and going to be with the father it always says he went to set at the right hand of god it never says he went to set at the right hand of god and the body of the holy spirit or some other mm. you know version yeah. it's always just
2: a singular term point. that's a great point because we see that when in ezekiel in the septuagint we see the descriptions of the uh, mercy seats in the holy of holies of the temple there's a greater seat and mm. a lesser seat and there's no third seat.
4: That's good. Yeah, That's good. I was cutting grass today, and I was just meditating over this discussion we were going to have. And First Corinthians 11 came to my mind. And it oh, says, where it, it says the head too. of every woman is the man. The yeah. head of man is Christ. The head of Christ is God. Where's the Holy Spirit? He's mm-hmm. not there in the chain of authority. No. Unless mm-hmm. you understand that it's the spirit of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. And then he's, then he, you know it is there in the person of Yahweh. So just I know, I know we're spitballing these verses, but this is good. This is good for people to grasp.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to bring this up soon. First Corinthians 12. And then I've heard Trinitarians try to argue that the mention of the Holy Spirit here has his own autonomy. And this therefore makes him distinct as a part of the triune co-equal personhoods. Um, and so it says here that, um, the different ministry workings, right? There are different gifts, but the same spirit. There's different ministries, but the same Lord. There's different ways of working, but the same God who works all things and all people. Now, again, I cannot stress this enough, guys. A Trinitarian definition of God is the triune. So the moment they read that, they're thinking <clears> triune, regardless of, of the context. So they'll say, Well, look, and I and some more savvy Trinitarians will even say, Look, Spirit, Son, Father, right here, triune. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. but it actually if you look close it is the same spirit right because this is working in, in the unified purpose and unity of the father's desire for ministry and it, we we have the Lord over the ecclesia who who have, according to acts 233 now has access to the Spirit to give to us as he chooses as Peter preaches
7: mm-hmm.
0: and it all comes from God it's God's spirit that he is that the the son has access to but this doesn't mean they're co-equal and of some special undefined substance. Exactly.
7: You know, what exactly. I mean? And so this is,
0: this will say now to each manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. And then it'll say down here that the Trinitarian has argued down here that all these work of one and the same spirit who portions them to each one as he determines. And here's that he again, here's that Greek pronoun again. Well, they'll say, look, capitalize the he, because this is the Holy Spirit as an independent person. Mm. And I'm sitting there going, look, the whole yeah. thing just already told you it's God who works all yeah. these things in people. Yeah. It's not it. It's not the Holy Spirit making up his own decision on who's given the gifts of the Spirit. All of this authority comes from the Most High. Yeah. What, what would you guys say about that?
4: Topping Just because that. there are three that are mentioned, it's like, you know, in Matthew 28, 19, it mentions Father, Son and Holy Spirit. People say, well, don't you believe that, Matthew? I say, yeah, I believe in the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean I believe there are three co-equal, co-eternal, co-immortal, co-substantial persons that share in the same substance or essence like Greek philosophy later determined, Uh, you know, just because you believe in Father, Son, Holy Spirit does not mean you are a subscriber to Trinitarian doctrine. So like Brother Sean just pointed out, you can believe the Father is superior. The Son is his Son, his Messiah. The Spirit is the power and authority of Yahweh. doesn't mean you believe in the Trinity.
8: And I think that's a really important thing to hone in on, because at least in my experience, by the time you get to hear other ideas and you sort of, deconstruct from some of the things that you you know now see differently. That's exactly what it is. It's later thought being put into how you read the scriptures. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the first time this was even remotely described this way was like by Tertullian at the end of what the second century. And then it was established at the Council of Constantinople in like 381. Like this is all later thought that doesn't appear till hundreds of years later. That Then, which was really even further developed, as we know, through additional councils, different dispensations, etc., back into the text. And I think, Sean, mm-hmm. really, that's what you were talking about. When the second they see God, they already assume the Trinity, whether mm-hmm. the yeah. text actually says it or not.
0: Mm-hmm. And real quick, hey, I guys. A, we
5: talk- I a, OK, I had a question. Um, someone from my chat wanted to look at a verse if you're um, wanting to do that, Sean. It's uh, Acts 13, verse 2.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'd love to get to it. Before we do, though, we've got to welcome a special guest. It's been a while since he's been on the channel. Mm-hmm. Coming to the ring, just dropped a brand new album, Marlo <laughs> Eugene.
7: <Hey>. Marlo. <laughs> what up, Uncle
9: Marlo? How y'all doing, fam? Marlo, on, oh, man. I'm, I'm all jacked up, man. I'm what am I? Am I like an hour eight? <laughs> it's okay, brother. It's all right. <laughs> Glad oh, to have man.
0: you. I know you're busy working. Oh yeah. Um, just big shout out. Go check out Marlo Eugene's channel. He just dropped some new music on Apple Music. Uh, he's putting up snips of it on his channel. Um, are you also on Spotify?
9: Yeah, I just got back, got
0: back on Spotify. I've, I've ended, my, ended my boycott. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, Marlo's also a beast in the scripture, he uh, he definitely knows his word and uh, he has a unique perspective coming out of Jehovah's Witness thought and church teaching. So, um, yeah, it was glad to have you here on the panel. Appreciate but, um, it at this point, Marlo, we've just been chatting about certain scriptures and uh, looking at, you know, that Trinitarian view about how they try to make a distinctive personhood out of the Holy Spirit of God. And uh, we are going to go to Acts 13 um, per request of one of uh, Young Don's fans. Young Don is actually multi-streaming this, if you will. He's actually streaming our, our our window right now. So let me put this up on screen before we go. I just wanted to, before we go to Acts 13, I wanted to uh, share this real quick. Now, this is not in people's modern Bibles. This was in the, the KJV about three, 400 years ago, but it's not in people's Bibles. Now, this is the book called The Wisdom of Solomon.
7: Hmm.
0: And this is chapter one, verse six and seven, says, for wisdom is a kindly spirit and will not free a blasphemer from the guilt of his words, because God is witness of his inmost feelings and a true observer of his heart and a hearer of his tongue. Boy, doesn't that sound like Christ saying, will not forgive blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And verse 7 says, because the Spirit of the Lord has filled the world, and that which holds all things together knows what is said. Mm. So, do I believe this? Is this saying to to me that God's Spirit does fill the world as a general concept?
4: Yep. There's a psalm that says, um, uh, whither shall I flee from your presence, or whither shall I go from your Spirit? Yeah. If if, if, I, if I go into I go Sheol, into the heavens, you're there. If I go into Sheol, you're there. So in a general sense, you know, I mean that that's what that wisdom of Solomon there reminds me. Of. I think it's Psalm one thirty nine, some somewhere in there.
0: It is verse twelve and thirteen, and and so we if we if His Spirit already permeates all of life, which keeps us all alive. I mean, it reminds me of Acts chapter five when Ananias and Sophias lied about the property, and then they just dropped dead. It's like God just removed the breath of life that he had given them. You know what I mean? Um, but then we see in Acts chapter two a more directed focused outpouring of the spirit. Like we saw from numbers 11. Um, so it's, this is why, you know, I, I have a I have a new analogy if you guys will. All right. And the Holy spirit of God is more like wifi where it'll permeate through your house, but you can direct it to be specifically used for certain purposes. Mm, interesting. Just a thought,
7: but yeah. um,
1: it's like, it's like, do- I see it as like a dosage. Right. So like we have literally all of creation is filled with the spirit. Right. And then we know that yeah. we were made from the dust of the earth. We have a spirit in us animating our bodies, or our mm-hmm. soul rather, um, to life. And then when we die, that little piece of the spirit mm-hmm. goes back mm-hmm. to him and our soul goes elsewhere. Um, but before we die, we have the potential to have a little deposit of yet another spirit into us, guiding us, keeping us on the track of following yeshua and discipleship and all that and if he wants to send the holy spirit like to radically do something crazy in the moment he can do that too it's like just here's another dose another dose another dose and then at the resurrection you get the ultimate dose right where you're just full-on holy spirit everything you are is spirit you're gonna like matthew said earlier yeshua breathed out it's like the best tic-tac breath it's like (laughs) minty (laughs) breath just like oh all of it is just the spirit I just see it Jesus. as like the dosages.
0: Jesus I love like it. Love it. Fish breath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: maybe it's like a maybe it's like a bank account, right? Everybody's born with a bank account. You start off with at least one dollar in there and then you get that deposit in there. Like a mm-hmm. literal deposit of of uh Holy Spirit dollars.
7: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and and you can grow it too.
0: So, guys, this is a wonderful passage that uh, Trinitarians will bring up to try to talk about the Holy Spirit and being a separate, independent person. Um, I was in a debate with the gentleman who brought this up, and uh, in, this is Acts 13. It says, Now in the Church of Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Nigar, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and, me, and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And after they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So what what do you guys think about this passage here in Acts thirteen, one through three? How did the I Holy Spirit it. communicate to this group of people?
4: I see it as, as Almighty Yahweh. I, I think when the Holy Spirit is personal, many times in scripture it's it's speaking of the person of the Father. So it's it's very similar like Luke 1, where we see that yeah. Yahweh begot Yeshua. But yet when Gabriel is explaining it, he says the spirit of Yahweh will come upon you, Miriam, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One born in you will be called the Son of God. So it's not that He, Yeshua has two, two dads, Yahweh and the person of the Holy Spirit. It's that the Holy Spirit, when spoken of personally, can refer to Yahweh the Father. That's my view of a text like this in Acts 13.
8: Well, I also don't think that, I mean, at least not my position is that we're not saying that the Holy Spirit cannot interact with the physical world in a sense that he could even be audible, right? The the argument is more that that spirit is the Father, like it comes from the Father. It's not a distinct person of himself, right? So to me, that's sort of like a category error, right?
7: Yeah.
2: I'm reminded that about 20 times in the book of Acts, there's angelic interaction and just in the previous chapter in chapter 12 we see an angel there and he strikes a guy because he did not give god the glory and he was eaten by worms and died so there's angelic interaction all the time and that could be the holy spirit mentioned here
7: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: that's a great thought brother
1: yeah um, i i could see all those ways um I also think in Second Peter it says Second uh, Peter one twenty. Know this first of all that no prophecy of Scripture comes by one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by the will of man, but men being moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So it could even be, it could even be just the Holy Spirit coming on uh, one of the brothers mentioned earlier in verse one there, speaking mm. speaking as Yahweh's mouthpiece, you know, to the other people. Probably that simple. Church. Yeah. Yeah. Could, could be a yeah, multiple multitude of things, but
0: I mean that was my argument for uh the, the Trinitarian in my debate was to say, well, it just says the whole you know the Holy Spirit said, but we don't know, like I was asking him, like, how did the Holy Spirit say this? Mm-hmm, like yeah. if you're in that room, put yourself in that room for a minute, there's a there's a group of dudes and they're fasting and praying, and then what they all got like a word of the spirit as a gift of the spirit and all had the same message at the same time, or did an angel show up and audibly speak? Or did an angel, was it not an angel? Or are you just trying to tell me that just out of, out of the, out of the ether, you, they all just heard a voice collectively and knew exactly mm-hmm. the answer on what to do. And, mm-hmm. um, and that was, that was kind of the, the way he leaned. He's just thinking like kind of just out of the ether, a voice just started speaking. But I'm sitting there going, the, I don't see a precedent for that. Like anywhere in scripture, mm-hmm. usually there's always a messenger who brings the message or a prophet or teacher. So like, I, I, I like Ken's interpretation as well. Um, it could be very, very simple that they agreed that if there was an established prophet and he had a track record for being right, because that's, you know, how you validate a prophet <laughs> right. Then they may yeah, have right. trusted him, they may have trusted him to speak and, and considered the Holy Spirit talking to them. Thanks. I don't think Thanks. that um, I say this. Marlo. Yes. Sir. You yes, You got a you got an echo. Does your. Uh, oh, oh. Do you, are you using it. your headphones or is it coming through your speaker? Um,
2: it's like you're chopped and screwed without the screwed.
7: <laughs> Let me see
0: Hold on real quick. Uh thank you.
9: Do I still have an echo?
2: A little bit. Keep talking. Oh, okay. Little delay.
1: Delay effect.
0: Let me try and Hold get on. through this though. That's okay. All right. Uh yeah, yeah I don't know. Microphone?
9: Yeah, my, my mic that I record through, but I thought I unplugged that bad boy.
0: Here, let me see. How about now? Perfect. Sounds sounds better now. Oh, okay. Okay. Well oh, no, no, it's still there. <laughs>
9: oh, it's still there? Oh man. Wait, um, oh it's gone
7: now. It
5: comes and goes.
9: Go I'm ahead. I'm sorry. Prepare sorry. I, yeah, I apologize, y'all. <laughs> um hmm. Um, I'm not totally against the idea that there's times where uh, the term spirit is used, or even Holy Spirit is used, where it may refer, it may refer to. A um, I think that that the the co- context of the particular text that the individual is used. So, for instance, um, one of Young Don's listeners just brought this verse up. Uh, my my question to thearian the would be be you know does this this Holy Spirit always have to correspond with your doctrine does it, can it be possibly relation five six we have seven spirits of god that are, that are around the throne um, um believe that those are those are just uh sort of personified x of his force it's totally oh it's oh, still chopped hey, Mar- and screwed marlo
0: marlo try this try to jump back out of the studio come back in I'll, I'll uh, my back bad
9: in. i'll try that Give me, give me one sec. Yeah, it's okay. Sorry. So
8: for, from what I heard from what Marlo was saying, um, I do think that is a good point. So in it, this is actually a part of what I was thinking. So in logic, I think you just call it a non sequitur, right? Just the fact that the Holy Spirit spoke does not therefore mean this mm-hmm. is a separate person of the Trinity, mm-hmm. right? You see what yeah. I'm saying? It doesn't naturally follow. It could be something else. Yeah, it's, yeah not we, the, we,
5: it's not the slam dunk that... Um, Trinitarians try to make it into it's like okay if you entertain our argument that the spirit is the the Holy Spirit is the spirit of the father then that would just be the father speaking to you through the spirit I mean and people talk with that language all the time how many times have you gone to church and like oh God told me to do this or God told me to do that you know and what they really mean is I felt led by the spirit in a certain direction not that they heard yeah. an audible voice so you know, it's um. I mean, we have to remember these quotation marks. These are added in by the translators. This is not in the manuscripts. Right. So they those the capitalization. Yeah. These little things, like, yeah, these little right. things it really color your perception of it. But, you know, um, that could have easily just been like, yeah, you know, um, we felt um, led by the spirit. The spirit told us to go do this and go do that. You know, but you throwing some capital letters and some quotation marks and all of a sudden now it's like, oh, well, see, it's a person. But even if it is a voice, the voice of the Father speaking to you internally that is um, you know, I think it's a very easily reconciled verse
0: personally sure mm-hmm. Don have you ever um, have you ever had a, an experience whether yourself or with other believers around you where they had a, a gift of the spirit flow through them? Like um, a word of knowledge
5: like a word of knowledge. I haven't experienced that firsthand where somebody, you know, said something that was um, like they knew something they shouldn't have known. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. I haven't experienced that firsthand. No.
0: So you guys remember in the story with David and Nathan, the prophet comes up to him and Nathan knew all about his scandalous affair with Bathsheba and how he had Uriah killed. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't tell you how Nathan knew that. Right. The prophets yeah. were rolling with the spirit and like that was, I mean, you literally read the beginning of first Samuel and um, Nathan, the prophet is coming or Samuel, the prophet is coming down. Uh, from Bethel with a whole bunch of other prophets. And then and they're all prophesying. Mm-hmm. It says the spirit jumped off of them and onto Saul. And then Saul starts prophesying. Yeah. So like they they all were just flowing with the spirit of God. And then the spirit of God, in my opinion, caused Nathan to know that through what the New Testament gives an actual wording for. in 1 Corinthians is what we call a word of knowledge. And that has actually literally happened to me in my life mm-hmm. for the purpose of ministry. And it was right. It was correct. And it caused that person to change their life when i went up to this random stranger and gave that word or knowledge information i should not have had mm-hmm. and, it, and it changed that person's life and uh and their friend's life their friend even gave their, their heart to christ because they saw that the first person changing and so and and i was just a dumb kid who didn't know what i was doing i just knew i was just told it was possible i read it in the scriptures it matched what i was told and i was like i would love to do that and then the father was like all right
7: <laughs> yeah,
0: if you got the-, the the bravery to do it i'll let you do it and so it was a fascinating time in my life where it happened many many times to the point where i didn't know how to i didn't really have anyone discipling me and and who was familiar with that so i just kind of asked the father to turn it down mm-hmm. um so that I because it was kind of it was coming to my mind and my heart in so many different circumstances that was i was struggling to interact in a normal way and i didn't want to turn into a crazy person. Right. So like I was, I, w- I would be at work and I'd be next to the coworker next to me and I would see something like I would just get information in my head about their life and I would pray for them. I didn't, I was trying to use wisdom and I didn't always just blurt out whatever I had coming in my mind. I just thought, Oh, maybe this is what I need to pray for them about. But in the 20 plus different instances where I actually had the bravery to go talk to the person, many of them were strangers I'd never met before. The information was 100% accurate. Mm-hmm. And this isn't this isn't being psychic. That's the worldly pagan stuff. This isn't ESP. Mm-hmm. This is what's called a gift of the spirit that the prophets used. And so I you know, that's where I'm like, is that possibly what we're seeing sometimes when it says the spirit told me not to go back to Jerusalem when Paul's talking mm-hmm. like that in, in the book of Acts? Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, now here's another quick example of the book of Acts where it says the spirit told Philip in, in chapter eight, verse mm-hmm. twenty nine says the spirit said to philip go over to that chariot and stay by it so philip ran up and heard the man reading isaiah the prophet do you understand what you're reading philip asked how can i he said unless someone guides me and he invited philip to come up and sit with him now this was the ethiopian that was reading the book of isaiah but so i've heard trinitarians say look the, the holy Spirit is an independent person he literally just spoke to philip philip did this amazing thing and and got to share the truth of isaiah with this guy but look what happens guys if i go literally right up here verse 26. To verse 26. Right.
2: now an angel of the lord said to philip
9: uh, okay am i am i still chopped rude yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, this sounds like a man. remix
2: like what i was doing earlier man
9: this <laughs> is not a good remix though
2: <laughs> it just comes okay. and goes. We can okay. we can make out what you're saying for the most part.
9: Yeah, but I don't. The audience. I want the audience to be able to have a have a good. Experience. Um, um, I'm gonna have to hook up a, up a different mic. I'm gonna mute myself and let you go ahead. All right. Okay, oh, this. Right?
5: And also on this point, is this Jesus? <laughs> is this Jesus? I would say no. Yeah, right would, and now, an angel of the an Lord. Angel. Right. That this is the the same Jesus. That we were taught is um or we're oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is uh in the yeah. old testament, right? The the angel of the Lord. Yeah. Oh, my bad. <laughs> that,
4: this is a great point, brother Sean. I've never seen this before. I mean I've read Acts eight, obviously, but I've never hooked that up. I, I appreciate that point. And of course it reminds me of Hebrews one. Um, the angels are ministering spirits, right? Right. right. That's right. So that, that's great. That's a great point. And like you
2: brought up a minute ago uh young donna and sean were both mentioning like the the quotation marks and the capitalization even especially in that passage where it says the spirit capitalized a lot of people want to ascribe that to a triune being mm. of this trinitarian understanding but uh it, it doesn't have to mean that there were no capital letters in the original greek
7: mm.
9: those were the only points i was going to bring out by the way
2: ah okay so, <laughs> you sound much better by the way though
9: oh yeah i, t- I unplugged my yeti mic. um If you go to like Isaiah 63, where um, Isaiah is recounting the Israelite um, journey in the wilderness and whatnot and how they rebelled and vexed the spirit, it's linguistic nuance. You see that word spirit with a capital S. That's going to be used to sort of justify their doctrine. Um, But when you go back to look at the account, it was an angel. right. Mm. It actually
0: says it in verse verse nine, the angel of his presence. (laughs)
9: Right. Or you could just go back back to verse nine to get the immediate context. Right. Um, But those capital letters, uh, you know, that that's all the justification that they need sometimes.
7: But, it, Mm -hmm. you know,
9: um, I would say that at least trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. uh, There are texts where the word, the term Holy Spirit is used and it's referring to a a, a person, a being. It's not necessarily their doctrine, but, you know, it's the details that matter.
7: Mm-hmm.
0: That's fascinating. So
8: let uh, oh. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I'll say... Did, uh, apologize if we might have already covered this, but did you address 2 Corinthians 3.17? Because this is something that I, I definitely get a lot, right? Because th- that is a passage that verbatim says, and the Lord is the Spirit, right? And yeah. with the Spirit of the Verse Lord, there's freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just one thing coming back to my mind here. So thoughts? Well, that would leave uh, the
9: Trinitarians with, with uh two people, not three, right? Because if that Lord in verse eighteen is the Christ, if we scroll back up.
7: Yeah.
9: There it is, right? So if that Christ in verse fourteen mm-hmm. is the Lord in verse sixteen <laughs> and verse seventeen the Lord is the spirit, then that leaves you with two people, not three.
7: So that's the well, problem. Th-
0: it, it to to try to accurately represent the Trinitarian side there, they would claim, well, see, this is an example of that special ontology, that that special co-substantial essence that they preach, and that's where mm. I would say it's it's not. It's just because this is First Corinthians uh, 15 verse 45, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. He's, Can we go to First he,
2: Corinthians yes, 15 yes. while we're in Corinthians and on the topic of essence?
0: Yeah, because he Yeshua became a spiritual being. And I've heard Trinitarians argue that he was resurrected back to his bodily dirt flesh. And they'll they'll say that he is, while in the flesh, he was 100% man, 100% God, with the hypostatic union. And after resurrection, he still had a hypostatic union. And I'm sitting there going, well, then how is he still of the same essence of the father? The father's Mm -hmm. not now 100% man also. Mm -hmm. So, like, I've just never understood these arguments. And the hypostatic is like... Is like level, you know, level nine thousand of ICGesis, in my opinion.
4: Um, <laughs> 100% Man's up there.
0: So, like right here, you know, first Adam became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Mm-hmm. Right. This this is the ontology of what we're promised at the resurrection. Like you'll be you're yes. not you're not made of the dirt anymore. Like John three, five says, you you can only inherit the kingdom of God if you're born of water and spirit. Yeah. So you Christ have to have, have this new fruit. spiritual nature. Christ yeah, Sean when I was. One
2: that the resurrection that's promised to us. Go ahead. Ken. Oh, sorry, Wes. Sorry, buddy. You're good. No worries. <laughs> we
8: all got something to say.
1: Sean, the other uh, day when you were talking to a couple of those gentlemen, um, one guy I can't remember his name, but he was he's kind of like scoffing at you, laughing when you when you brought up the water and spirit nature of the resurrected man. Right? And he's like, "What? Well, you like become liquid or like what? what that work?" <laughs> right? And he's kind of like making fun of you for saying that, and I'm just like. First of all, when we go back to Genesis and, and you know, Yahweh's creating the heavens and the earth, he's creating creatures, he's creating birds and fish, he's not just snapping his fingers, right? And they're just, boom, now there was fish, now there's birds flying. Um, this is what I love about 2nd Ezra so much is that in chapter 6, Ezra, uh, the prophet and priest, says um, in verse 47, On the fifth day, you did command the seventh part where the water had been gathered together to bring forth living creatures, birds and fishes. And so it was done. Then it says, the dumb and lifeless water produced living creatures as it was commanded, that therefore the nations might declare your wondrous works. So right here we have a prophet and priest of Israel saying that Yahweh used water to create creatures. So, yeah. like, are birds liquid flying around? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, you're
0: 75 no. you're water, supposedly.
7: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I'm I mean, just, it's I'm...
4: the spirit can be poured out according to Acts chapter two. You can be baptized in the spirit according to Acts mm-hmm. chapter two. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can be filled with the spirit according to Acts chapter two. So th- these all sound like liquid terms um, mm-hmm. going along yeah. with uh-huh. what Ian is showing from Second Estra. So sometimes people not all the time i'm trying to be nice when i say this but sometimes people attend seminary and bible college and they get too smart for their own good mm. they can no longer read the bible and believe what the verses say they filter the bible through a particular dogma or doctrine that they've been taught in college and i listened to brother sean talk with some some fellas the other day um and i'm not trying to belittle but um You know, they, you know, smirked and laughed and and, and everything. And all Sean is saying is, hey, let's look at the Bible. Let's look at what the scripture actually says and let's deal with it. They have a hard time doing that without Mm -hmm. filtering it through their doctrine that they've learned.
0: And Matthew, what I've seen from that is that there's a reason for it. It's not solely because they just want to be puffed up. Or, or that they've become puffed up no one i don't think anyone intentionally wants to be puffed up like it's just right. just kind of flows out of you because right. you know you think you're you're so adamantly right but um i what i've seen from the trinitarian standpoint on this argument uh, is that they it's not and they don't like being told that they lean on the traditions of men but when they have when they're sitting in a position to how do i say this um who is your teacher when, no, 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 no. When they're sitting in a position where they say, um, um, so like they they have, uh, they, they, I'm trying to remember the the Eastern Orthodox term for it. It's uh, solos scriptura versus solo scriptura. Hmm. So they'll say the the people that lean on the traditions of, of the Church, they ascribe to solas scriptura, which I think there's like five different categories or five different bullet points of solas scriptura. And one of those categories is that it's filtered through the councils of the church mm-hmm. teachers and elders and priests versus wow. so low scriptura is that's what they mock. And that's what they say. If you are so low scriptura, then you're just a man on an island trying to read the Bible and figure it out for yourself when yeah. the church fathers have already figured all this stuff out for us. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's where they actually mock the idea of people just trying to read and study the Bible for themselves. And it's just the most a a baffling thing i've ever run into in the christian faith it is Mm -hmm. baffling you know what i mean and so that's where i had to unlearn everything i learned in bible college because i kept reading the bible like when Mm -hmm. i went to bible college i was still young in the faith three three years old in the faith maybe four years old at that point so like i but and i and i realized quickly by the second semester that they were teaching more from the books i had to buy from the from the bookstore as opposed to the actual scriptures. I thought I already had the curriculum for the Bible college when I, when I signed up, I was that naive. I thought, well, I've got plenty of Bibles. I've got this little, little handheld Bible translator. You got 14 different translations. And I'm like, I've got, I don't, I'm not going to have to spend any money on books. Well, was that wrong? And so with all these, all these books of men that I had to buy hundreds of dollars each, each uh, quarter uh, for these classes. And then I started quickly realizing they're teaching from these books and I'm just sitting there trying to read my Bible in class and not get in trouble for not paying attention so by the time i got out of bible college um i kept reading my bible and i quickly realized that um, no disrespect to any of those all right guys
5: uh hey guys i gotta bounce i'm sorry um my my daughter is screaming her head off so Uh Uh uh, yeah i gotta go but it was a pleasure um you know guys please go ahead and subscribe to everybody Uh, If you want to cheat code to that, I put Sean's link in the description and he's shared all of these brothers in his channels. That's how I found Mm. all of you, by the way. So Shout out to Sean. Mm. dope friend. But yeah, if you go subscribe to Kingdom in Context and then just go to um, channels, he has all of these brothers linked in his thing. So you can go and subscribe to all of them as well. But thank you guys for having me. Um, I I definitely learned a lot and I'll be looking forward to continuing. To learn from all of you. Thank you for joining us. with you, brother. Talk to you later, care, bro. Shalom, bro. All right, guys. Peace out. I was gonna yeah, say, I'm guys. Done. So... I'm done
4: with that rant. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> it
4: cool. That's the first time I've ever heard of or met uh, young Don there, and I would love to hear more of his testimony. I'm gonna have to go check out his his channel. Because he, he said he was a straight up heathen till about a
7: year ago. On quick.
6: You know, I was. Uh, yeah. it's, it, sorry. Go ahead, Sean.
0: I just real quick, on before we move away from uh, from Don, uh, he he received a lot of flack in the last six to eight months because wow. he uh, he was used to be a really popular animator. Um, it was called uh, uh, Young Don Sauce God, and he made animations that were they're hilarious. I think his uh, animation channel has like over two million subscribers, and uh, wow. and he was really successful with that, but then. He came into the truth of the scriptures, started to change his life, started, you know, he, he, he found the algorithm apparently that YouTube tries to suppress and he found all mm. of our channels. And, um, and now he's just been trying to talk about his journey of coming to understand these things as he's continually studying the scriptures and getting mm. a lot of flack on his channel. So um, mm. I, I'm just giving props for sticking to it and not backing yeah, down because yeah. he's got, he's got high profile um celebrities and content creators, YouTubers that are personally calling him and trying to, talking back into the trinity yep. you know what i mean so he's mm. i give him super props for sticking stay in the course and continuing to study the word
2: and they're yeah. finding about out about our ministries in the process too i think mm. that's cool yeah Pray. yeah prayers
9: go. out to that brother because i i didn't know who he was sean prior to you uh reaching out to me and you know shortly thereafter i had looked him up and you know before i could even really get to any of his videos it was like 15 videos about how he was a heretic and You know, my heart just goes out because we're still human beings. And I think that people forget that, you know, when you see a a picture of somebody online, they become an avatar to you, you know, but when that many people are bucking up against anything that you do, it's real easy to, um, you know, fall into depression and being hard on yourself. So I just hope that brother knows that he's got support, you know. Um, yeah, he told me,
0: um, I was on the phone with him a few days ago and he told me, he's like, Hey, I think I'm just going to step away from trying to talk about the Bible on my channel as much and mm-hmm. just keep studying privately. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and obviously he's going to be watching our channels. So, um, but that's the thing I want to encourage all you brothers tonight is that he's just one example. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people watching our channels that we don't know about, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they ain't going to talk about us. Because their, their audience will crucify them, but and here's the issue, and I'm not saying that the audience is bad people. They're not. They're just they're just trained in a certain way of thinking, and I'm not <laughs> saying that the people who want who don't want to talk about what we talk about is. I'm not saying that they aren't competent to talk about. It. They're very intelligent people, very smart. I just think that they don't know how to bridge that gap, so they just don't talk about it, right? But I've mm-hmm. we've had people people reach out to us behind the scenes that um, are massive massive content creators and influencers. And they, they know about all of us. Yeah. They know about everything we talk about. And so be encouraged guys. Um, you know, r- ripples are being made for sure.
8: Yeah. Uh, yeah. something I'd love to chime in here. So listen, in my experience, when you start to get a lot of that vitriol from people, it reaffirms to you why you need to keep studying this and why mm-hmm. the Trinity as it is may not be because like the type of objections you get is so groupthink. it's so mm-hmm. just pressure. It's mm-hmm. just like they want to stress you back into believing the Trinity. They don't really want to use scripture. They don't want to come to you like a human being. And like all of that to me, at least in, I mean when my initial experience, let alone seen with others was like reaffirmed me like okay i really think i'm on to something because they can't they don't even want to answer my questions you know and so i think sometimes that comes full circle all the way back and it it can help even strengthen the pursuit of the truth of knowledge of of wanting to seek god and uh you know and just reaffirming the the trinity and many of these other doctrines so
7: Mm.
4: Yeah, I want to say this, too, because I think it was Brother Josh that said this earlier, and, I, and I'm and i the same as he. I'm not anti-Trinitarian. I'm non-Trinitarian, but I'm not, not anti-Trinitarian in this sense. I don't believe that just because somebody subscribes to the doctrine of the Trinity that it means they're headed to Gehenna or the Lake of Fire. I believe that Yahweh is merciful in our theology, and what's more important or most important is our lifestyle. That were rewarded based upon our works. You look at Matthew twenty-five with the sheep and the goats, and you know I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. In prison and you visited me. He didn't say you believed in the Trinity. You believed in the hypostatic union. You know <laughs> all that. <laughs> our our practice, our lifestyle, what how we show forth in love towards God and neighbor. That's what makes a difference. Now I'm not saying you don't have to believe in in Yahweh and Yeshua, the Father and the Son. But I think the theology that we have to believe is minimal compared to the lifestyle and the practice that we should live and we should show forth the glory of, of the Father through our through our good works Matthew five sixteen. So Amen. I just want to throw that out there. Amen. Every man will be judged according to their
2: works and deeds, not mm-hmm. according to whether they believed in the Trinity or not. I think there will be millions of. You know, have a willing millions of people who wake up at the resurrection having believed in the Trinitarian doctrine their whole life and they get there into the kingdom, they see Yeshua serving the Father in submission to him, and they're like, Oh, that's not what I was taught. Cool. <laughs> Where's the Holy
7: Spirit?
0: Yeah. I was talking to my uh my wife last week and I, I said that same thing, West Blaze. I was like, the more I study the Trinity, the more I realized that how why there's such a huge division between those who try to profess the law as part of our discipleship versus the traditional church teachings because they truly ascribe salvation to this creed. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if you want a bumper sticker, you're not, you're not saved by your creeds, you're saved by your deeds. So this is where like you, you know, and, and even people will say, well, that's what about saving faith? Like you got, right. I'm like, yeah, well, in the, in the concept of professing Christ as your Lord and discipling after him, that's a deed in itself. Like you got to do something. You can't just, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting how those two
9: things always work together? In my experience, um, I don't know if you, if you, have you guys ever heard of the Clubhouse app? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I used to be on the Clubhouse app heavy. They'd have me in a room talking to Trinitarians, and I'd be in a room talking to Black Hebrew Israelites, and I'd be in a room talking to (laughs) Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm just in there talking (laughs) to every denomination under the sun, right?
0: Just like Neo um, in there,
9: just. (laughs) But it's interesting (laughs) because I started to realize that there are certain type of there's certain um, doctrines that people subscribe to, and it's almost like they come in clusters. We'll start off talking about the Trinity, and then somehow it bleeds off into discussions about the Torah. And that's all the evidence that a lot of individuals need to perceive me as someone who is just confused about the Bible. Oh, see, it's no wonder you don't understand the Trinity because you're over here trying to keep the law, and you still don't even understand that you're saved by grace through faith. And so I've noticed that like everything is hyperlinked. And the one thing that I found to be a commonality amongst all the different groups, um, especially Trinitarians, and I try so hard not to group people together, but I can only speak from experience, is so many people will start off a phrase with, God put it on my heart. God revealed this to me. And so I began to ask the question, okay, well, what rubrics does a person need to employ to determine that this feeling, this wince of electricity that they get in their body, where they're so convinced that it's the Holy Spirit revealing something to them? hmm what do you you have to find something to correspond it to to figure out whether or not it's just you talking to yourself potentially a demon right there has to be something and i just realized that a lot of people i think you guys had already brought this up are just afraid to just read the bible and let the bible let scripture breathe
6: yes well because yes. Again, they're, they're afraid hmm. oh sorry go ahead michael
8: oh let i just think people are afraid to to have anybody disagree with them in general, so like the Good the point. world that I come from is TikTok. All right, so I got like a hundred subs on on YouTube, but on TikTok I'm pushing like forty five k, and like that is the first thing people ask you. You'll get on, hey guys, how are you yeah. doing? Thanks for letting me in. Do you believe Jesus is God?
7: <laughs> yeah, instantly. It is.
8: <laughs> that that that's it. No, for that's the type of attitude yes. right, that people come right. come at with you, and uh, I just think it, it really is revealing about where many people are at, and uh, and just like the type of insecurity, maybe not always, but I think in many cases associated with that, right? Because mm. they think they know everything about you based on, right. on and you judging that question, and like here we are in our experience, we've been wrong so many times. <laughs> you know, we're just like, yeah, hey, I I really just want to tell you what I think and why. God forbid mm-hmm. right you well know, but, said. you know it's just gotta there, it's it's like a mixture of like a clickbait and like just uh, I don't I don't even know like people write off their their comment section too and they just you know it's like drama that many people in fact I just made a video about one guy I won't name drop him but it's very clear he didn't actually want to discuss the scriptures he mm-hmm. just wanted to know if you believe Jesus was God or not and if you said mm-hmm. no he was just gonna roast you Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and you see that all the time. I know Sean's finally on TikTok praising y'all for that because we need him there. <laughs> but like you'll see it. You'll just be scrolling in so many people's stream with the Jesus is God.
3: Yes. Right? Everywhere.
8: And, you know, and to me, that's such an oversimplification of a complex thing. Mm-hmm. You I know, and, and like, again, that's like the meat and potatoes. If it is true, it's almost irresponsible to just be coming out there with a statement like that. In many ways, I think it fosters in an unfruitful environment. You know, well, so Michael, I, that's
0: that's. I don't know if you jumped on the stream yet, but that's what we were talking about towards the beginning, where I was saying they don't define God the way you do, and this, but they they use the essence philosophical definition of God as determined by the the, the Nicene Creed
7: mm-hmm. and
0: and all the philosophers that were arguing over the Homoousion um, within that that argument throughout the fourth century, and that's and it comes from Gnosticism from Balicides from the 2nd century in Alexandria, Egypt. And that's, according to all historians, that's the first use of that word they could ever find. And then here you go, 200 years later, all the Trinitarians are using that specific word, homoousius, or homoousion, however you want to argue it, to to describe this special essence that can't be defined somehow. But it's not the spirit that's described in the scriptures. So they're given a different definition of what God's substance is made of and how it's shared with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that—that's what they say. When Jesus is God. That's what they're referring to. So, like you see me argue with Trinitarians, and I say, Yeah, I believe He's God because I believe Hebrews one eight. And then they'll, sure. go, <laughs> then they'll go, they'll go, oh, but 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 do you think He's eternal?
7: Because they, Mm,
0: in their mind, the eternal is connected to that co-substantiation of that special essence, which is a philosophical premise. And that, to me, that's where you're going to get the same outpouring of affirmation, just like Gnosticism requires. Mm. Gnosticism says you're not saved unless you have the right knowledge and therefore can repeat the right creed Mm. versus... The, the faith that handed down to us through the prophets, which is in the word clearly that we must disciple after our, our, our Messiah. You know what I'm saying? Like in, I, and we may not have perfect theology. We're, we're learning as we go. We may not yeah. have the perfect knowledge, but yeah. we, we can walk it out the best we can in repentance and humility. And that's yeah. our testifying moment that we know Christ and are in Christ is that we do His commandments. Not that Preach. we have some sort of Preach. creed that we have to repeat. So this is where to me, I, I think the reason we see that stuff in our comment section and the reason and and the, the origins of this thing is from philosophy hmm. and is tied. That's why they kick you out if you don't repeat their creeds. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it's so funny you mentioned that and a new app called Clubhouse, because that's what I jokingly call the Trinitarians. They're their own clubhouse anyway, They're, their own <laughs> theological clubhouse. And if you don't right. have the password, you can't get in. You guys remember the, the Marx Brothers skit about the password? Swordfish? Mm-hmm. Did you guys ever see that where they're like, no, what's, the, what's the password swordfish? And he finally figures out the password and then he he, gets, he lets himself in and kicks the other guy out. And then the mm-hmm. other guy knocks and he opens the window and he's like, what's the password? And the guy's like, oh, you're not going to fool me. It's swordfish. And he goes, nope, I changed it. And he shuts the door. <laughs> and so you're like, that's. That's literally what happened between the Council yeah. of Nicaea and the Council of Constantinople. They mm. they were differing on right. what is this homoousius, or is it homoousion, and they, and they were trying to figure out like how do we pronounce this Greek word to describe an ontology of the substance of the Father and Son that's altogether different than what the Bible even describes. They mm. weren't even arguing what the Bible actually described at all. Mm. They were arguing a philosophical ideal that literally they pulled from from Gnosticism. But the average Christian doesn't know this. No. They just hear Jesus is God and they think they have to believe it if they're going to be saved. It's very disingenuous. This is why you've seen me and and some of you guys have probably seen me in that most recent encounter with some Trinitarians. I I tried to lovingly say to them, You're not defining your argument. You think that you're expressing to me Jesus is God, but you only, you honestly just sound like modalists because you keep saying Jesus is Yahweh.
4: Yeah. Oneness. Yeah. 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 I gotta get going, guys. Man, I got like thirty thoughts sense. in my mind, but I <laughs> <laughs> I told my beautiful bride I would be off by nine o'clock. So uh, she said, I got it, go brother. Bed. Appreciate so, you. So. Love That's you, brother. brother. Day, Love you, Matthew. You're awesome. hit me up. I've been wanting to talk to you, brother. You hit got it. Absolutely. Shalom, guys. Shalom.
9: Shalom.
1: Brothers, I must I must depart from this epic uh. Council of theologians as well, but um, right. before I do, I have I I've, I have a um, an anecdotal tidbit to share with you guys that I wanted to share earlier when it was more applicable uh, within the context of talking about like was it Acts thirteen, um, you know where it's the Holy Spirit said you know how does that play out tangibly right? Okay. Um, so my opa, <coughs> my opa drove a truck for the German army, and he was a man of few words. Um, it really hardened him, that whole experience of growing up in that environment and having to fight a war and all that stuff. Anyways, when I was a kid, he told me about a time when he was driving truck and uh, he was in charge of like uh, like 50 guys or something like that in the back of his truck, transporting them around.
7: Okay. And uh,
0: sorry. Guys, Ken's been sick before tonight, so he's getting over a sickness
1: yeah and my my throat is dry as a Sahara desert he, right now but
0: he's not crying he's not the clint <laughs>
1: yeah anyways so he was driving the truck it was late at night this is how he's describing it to me and he heard a voice next to him and it said abram pull over get out and run and he thought it was the guys in the back so he had this little latch behind him i guess this little canvas latch and he's driving and he's poking his head up the back what, what was that And the guy's like, well, you're not talking. We're not not talking. You keep going. Okay, so he's driving again. Same thing. Voice sounds like it's right beside him. Abram, pull over, get out, and run. So he's confused. He's still driving. The third time, same thing. So then he says, Lord, is this you? (laughs) He just, Lord, is this you? (laughs) He pulls over, gets out, runs, and a bomb comes in lands right on their truck and everyone's dead except for him so all that to say he heard an audible voice this is this is how he described it to me and i this is how i understood it when i was a kid three times right next to him so this is how i think it was the holy spirit talking to him um didn't have to be an angel sitting next to them even though it could be an angel i i just think Yahweh can use Mm -hmm. this whole spiritual system that he's created and tap his voice into the air right next to a person and be like, Mm. boom, you know? So anyways, that's a a bit of an anecdotal story. I figured I'd share with you guys. I I have a couple of them. It's very interesting. uh, Angelic interactions on my uh, my grandparents times in the war. So it's made me a firm believer even more that, uh, you know, what I'm reading and what I'm studying and, and believing in is true because, I mean, my parents my grandparents, I don't know how few guys can empathize, but I grew up just thinking my grandparents were saints, utter saints. They never sinned. They were the kindest people. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, man, like they're they are either lying to me, talking about <laughs> angels and Holy Spirit being next to it, like, or it happened. And mm-hmm. I choose to believe it happened because they were godly mm-hmm. people. and you know. So anyways, I'll leave you with that. You That's can. awesome, brother.
0: That's a great but, story. I think in the modern day, if someone just dropped their phone in the seat next to them and their TikTok accidentally opened and they heard run. Dun, 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 <laughs> dun, dun. They'd be like, is that the Holy Spirit talking or is that? Yeah. All right, guys. Yeah. Here. Awesome. So you can. Love to talk to you later, man. Shalom, bro. Get better. Shalom. You guys, uh, I appreciate you guys uh, joining me tonight. We don't have to end it right now. We, I know there's a few more verses um, that I'd love to talk about. Um, do, do any of you guys have some Verses that you've seen Trinitarians use to support the Holy Spirit that you want to bring up before we? Uh,
8: There is one thing I wanted to say. It's not necessarily a a verse, but it was sort of going off of what you were saying before. So I think another reason why people have such a hard time uh, just trying to consider Scripture openly from people of an opposite position is because they have grouped in the idea that they hear from the Holy Spirit as the means by which they know they're correct you know like my my position is not because i've thought about it a lot i've studied it in scripture you know i've looked at history it's because the holy spirit is within me and i believe that therefore i know my position is correct and so when so like you know for the topic of tonight is the holy spirit a person many people probably in their subconscious cannot question that because Mm -hmm. if they do then what they're doing is they're acknowledging the standard by which they've always thought they were right is wrong. And then everything that they believe comes within the question at that point. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think that for somebody probably like us, who's, you know, we all believe this, you know, and realize we were wrong. God used all these things to bring us to where we are today. But in many people still in that place, it is fear. They hold on to a lot of these doctrines based on a subconscious fear of you know again this connection to you know I have the Holy Spirit I know that I'm right and, and just it's it's an insecurity in many ways right and I think that manifests itself in people's uh, inability unwillingness you know uh, to even really discuss these things openly and honestly
6: mm-hmm. yeah it goes off with what I was I was gonna say earlier uh, what what you guys were talking about on the same vein is that well they've been taught to be afraid to go any different direction right even not just in salvation but even in evangelism i've heard a street preacher he was i actually looked up to him and uh, i still look up to him in a lot of ways but he actually was saying that you can't actually be a spirit-filled evangelist fully effective unless you tap into each person of the trinity and especially the holy spirit you have to understand him as a as a unique person of the trinity all these all three of them you have to understand them and you know here's this uh site where you can learn more but like you're really not going to be effective effective in evangelism if you don't understand each person in a deep way as a person it's like it it makes people feel inadequate it makes people be afraid to believe any other other way because they can't even do a task like evangelism they can't reach out to people if they don't believe it that's right what What do you guys Um, think
0: about acts five I was just about to ask, did you guys already go over Ananias and Sapphira? <laughs> yeah, because it, it talks about lying praise uh, the most high out here. Lion to the Holy Spirit. Right. So how would you guys address this one?
2: Oh, I'll go last. I was just thinking of how if somebody says God told me or the Holy Spirit has revealed to me, and then they follow that up with something that's that's not at all true, it's bordering like blasphemy, is it not? Attributing something to the name of God that isn't should not be attributed to the name of
0: God. So now, I think I agree with you, but I think the context on this particular passage was that they had, uh, this was a part of uh, the collection of disciples at that time. They were all uh, donating to the collective group wealth and resources to distribute to the poor and mm-hmm. to have amongst themselves so that they could have substance while they went out and ministered. And Ananias and Sophia said they were going to sell some property, take the fullness of those proceeds and give it to the group. But instead, is it, am I am I wrong, Marlo?
9: No, I'm just shaking my
0: head because I don't know
9: why they didn't just keep it real. They could have just been like, right. we don't want to give you everything. We'll just give you a little bit because, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, so yeah. basically, it's, they, they, they promised 100% of the proceeds of the real estate sale. But instead, they gave like, you know, 40 or 50%. I don't know what they gave, but they gave a portion right. instead of all of it. And they both had the husband and wife had both committed to this lie which is why they were addressed separately and both lied the same thing separately at different times mm. and uh, and both died. And then Peter's claiming you're lying to the Holy Spirit. Right. So then, this is where I've seen Trinitarians claim. We'll see. Look, it's a distinct person.
9: And then and then if you look at the end of verse three, you have not lied to men, but to God. So then that's more justification for them. Right. Because, yeah. oh, look, the Holy that, Spirit, God. My response yeah, to that has always been, um, and this is, let me just preface uh, what I'm about to bring out by saying, I don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. This is one of those type of situations where I look back in the past and say, man, there were some things Jehovah's Witnesses, I feel like they got right. Um, mm-hmm. If you go to like 1 Thessalonians, um, let me see if I can pull it up. I want to say 1 Thessalonians 4, is it? Paul makes a a really good point here. And if you go to verse eight, um, let's see. Anyone then who rejects this command does not reject man, but God, the very one who gives you his Holy Spirit. I think that that's the premise there. I think that that is the rubric Mm -hmm. that you would employ to properly interpret what's going on with the Ananias and Sapphira situation, as far as I can tell.
8: Yeah, and you know, I think that that type of reasoning needs to be applied in many different areas. So Agreed. some some people will say, um, like, right? So for Jesus is God, and I'll be like, okay, well, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And then they'll pull up a verse that says, oh, well, all authority in heaven and earth was given to him. And usually, I want to be like, it was what to him? It was it was given, right? Oh, <laughs> but, anyway, well, but but anyways, nice. no, but, but then I usually just that. but then I'll just agree with them and be like, okay. So all authority in heaven and earth was, in fact, given to him. He has that in that sense. Sure, he's God. Um, And so I think that that's um, a similar, maybe not the same, but similar idea of where the Holy Spirit is in representation of the Father, right? That's who you're lying to, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, the word word God itself means a divine being or a ruler. So that makes perfect sense. If Yeshua is given authority to be a ruler underneath his father's authority, he, he still considered God. This is why Hebrews 1.8 8 says to you, O God, your God has anointed you with the of gladness above your companions, right? So it's in both instances calling both Father and Son God, but it's not referring to some special philosophical ontology. It's just literally talking about two different levels of rulership and hierarchy.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A leader, a judge. Yeah. Right.
0: And in the same way, uh, to tag on to what Marla just showed from First First Thessalonians 4, This is what Acts 2, Peter's preaching. Exalted, that's Yeshua, is exalted then to the right hand of his Father. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. So all the gifts of the Spirit happening on Pentecost to all the disciples speaking in different tongues and witnessing and bringing in hundreds of thousands of people to to faith that day is because of a procession of function. Mm -hmm. The Father top down, right? The Father exalted the Son to this position of authority, and now the Son has command over the holy spirit to pour out onto the people as a as a part of his priestly position at least that's how i understand it what, what would you guys think
2: yeah the adonai said to my adoni right. my right hand we never see a, an instance in scripture where somebody else the holy spirit is sitting at his left hand or at the right hand <laughs> of Yeshua.
7: right yeah Yeah.
0: Yeah. So if you didn't capitalize this here, it would just be like, yeah, the, you know, exalted into the right hand of God, Jesus has received from the father, the promised set apart spirit and has poured out what you now see in here.
9: And that's a factor too, because, you know, Coney Greek has capital characters. Um, And it's interesting because the words that get capitalized in modern English translations that have such a profound effect on people's theology and doctrine. Um, they rely upon certain words to be capitalized. And for whatever reason, those men back then didn't find the need to make those words proper nouns. Theos is one of them. You know, Neuma is one of them. And I think that that's that's something that people need to sit and think about for a little bit longer. These are Mm -hmm. men who are responsible for handing us documents that that we're using to form our beliefs. And they didn't find it as a a precedence. You know, apostles. I have every reason to believe that the apostles could, could read and write uh, both in Hebrew and Greek, um, you know, even in the Septuagint, we I personally believe, based on the evidence that I have, they were using the Septuagint in their scriptures. And, you know, there's times where you find verses in Hebrews, word for word out of the Septuagint, you know, those words are not capitalized. Theos is not capitalized. So these are not exclusive terminologies, but it's such a Western form of thinking. And that's the hardest part for a lot of people, at least in the West to accept, is that many of the things that we've used to create these doctrines are these traditions that are very prototypical of, of
3: Western ideas,
0: not Hebraic
3: at all. Yeah,
0: that's true. And then
3: it's you true. guys talked a lot earlier about kind of like the spiritual aspect and the, the anger you receive when you are going up against this this particular belief. It's a lot like in my experiences, the globe model, when you start questioning the globe, you get this spiritual anger almost want to crucify you for, just for saying something so simple, like the world that seems immovable might as well be right. as <laughs> People are like attack, you know, it's like right. a spiritual things <laughs> jumped into. And I'm not saying that these people are the antichrist or anything, but the, the spirit that when it talks about antichrist in the Bible, it actually says the spirit of the antichrist. And there, there would be, you know, when you look at what Yeshua said, versus what the Pope says today when he said the first of all commandments Jesus did, that the, is to hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You have the opposite of that, the opposite wisdom, like the Pope. This is literal words from Pope Francis here, where he says, each creature testifies that God is three. And so you have those two counter views. They're, they're not the same exact view, and you have two different people saying them. And, so, and he's straight out of Rome where the trinity doctrine came from the creed they were creating easter and the new sabbath you know the sunday sabbath and all these different things they were going on at about the same time um so there's a i feel like there's a spiritual aspect to that and that's why you don't see as much of a love whenever i've been into these debates or people questioning me on this i don't receive a lot of love and trying to plant seeds as much as i do is oh my goodness what you're a heretic you know that type of that type of um, spirit comes at me because it says the spirit of the Antichrist, those are those who deny the Father and the Son. And you don't even realize by merging them, you're denying both. It's a genius, evil way to deny both is by merging them, blurring blurring the Father's image, replacing the image of the Messiah with just this, you know, now he's just um, some three-faced, almost like deity. And, And you look, man was made on the sixth day right and the early images of the trinity it was like a three-faced being you know it had like four eyes three noses you know and each one of those you know man being made on the sixth day it just seems like that would almost start going towards um against what the father when he's given out his uh let me see if i can find the verse here that i'm looking for um, for binding something for a sign upon your forehead or um it says And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Well, if you read up a little bit, it's that same thing that Yeshua said. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You know, and you should love the Lord thy God with all your heart. And so that whole, I don't know, I guess the mark of the beast everybody talks about in the Antichrist, well, it tells us that there's many back then. The spirit of the Antichrist, it's not something that is a new thing. It says there was many Antichrist. Um, where that's why they say whereby we know that this is the last time there was many antichrists then. It's not a new thing. There was always people going around denying that Jesus was the Son of God. And when Paul himself, the one that a lot of people go to, the very first thing he ever taught when he was unblinded, what was the exact message he preached? Well, it says immediately he preached that the Christ, or the anointed one in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. That was the very first thing that he spoke. After he, had, after he had had his vision restored, you know, he didn't say, go and believe in the Trinity. Go believe that Jesus is God. Very first thing, he's the Son of God, you know. So I feel like it, there is a spiritual aspect with this, and I'm not saying, you know, Trinitarians are evil. They're Antichrist or whatever, but there, there's an influence from this spiritual aspect of it with the spirit of the Antichrist that's trying to deny the Father and the Son, and it seems very innocent, kind of like the globe, kind of like a lot of things we've just picked up on. And um, it, it, it hinders people's walk. It hinders their ability, I feel like, to really pray. I, like when I was trying to pray as a young you know, believer, um, going straight to the Father and using the beloved Son's example, and it changes everything. It makes you have peace. It makes you have joy and love, and you start really seeing um, things happen in your life that are different than they would if you were literally just basing everything on the doctrines of men
0: so real quick josh you mentioned something about a three-faced god yeah i think that's fascinating because i'm going to go to a historical precedent for that that's not anything to do with with the faith of the scriptures and torah um but it's this this concept is this is why i keep mentioning this idea of Trinitarians define God differently. They don't define it the way we've been using it in practical application. We think of a Most High who gave authority to His Messiah, His Anointed One, His Son. And so, in that passage where you say He denies the Son, you're denying the Father, and that they they blur them together. And I think that's a wonderful point because it's not just blurring together their their monikers, Father and Son. It's blurring together the purpose. And so that the people miss the purpose of the anointed one. The purpose of the son wasn't to have the co-equal authority with the father. It was to become the high priest of the covenant of Israel to atone for your sin and fulfill the promise to get you to the resurrection. Like that's the prophesied purpose of Christ. But in a Trinitarian theology, they place God on the same, they place Yeshua on the same level as his father in the same authority. So they can justify a PSA doctrine where God had to die for you. There it is. So this is this is why its application is blurred, not just mm-hmm. the monikers. It's the application of purpose and, and reasoning for even being coming. Now, when it gets into the three-faced God, which is the idea of they're all one being, but they share three distinct personas, mm-hmm. this is actually a thousands-year-old precedent from Hinduism.
2: Mm. Ancient Indians.
0: This is Brahma. This is literally... The equivalent of satan into the indians this is brahma the, the the head creator god personified often as three gods in one essence of being three-faced god and one essence of being guys do you know guys the the language of the essence comes from brahmanism mm-hmm. it's the concept of the om you know how you see in the commercial you know, like the movies where they're they're sitting around with the prayer wheels and they're going Om Om, mm-hmm. right they're, they think they're tapping into the vibrational fabric of creation in order to access the power of the creator God, Brahma, through the essence of the Aum. And it's literally a part of their religious belief set. And this is why, I you know, I, when, I use, when I use the terms Gnosticism to describe a philosophical leaning on early church fathers, I don't consider them fathers, on early church people that were arguing about the Trinity, I'm being nice. If you want to go deeper into where the Om comes from and the essence and the idea of the essence, it goes straight back to Egypt, straight back to Ra worship, Mm. Brahman worship in India, and Zeus worship in Greece. This is what Aristotle was trying to enumerate with his philosophy to talk about the essence of the supreme being, what he called the unmoved mover. This is literally, this is is 100% not scriptural. And the whole concept, like, so in the modern day, when they talk about three persons and one being, they're not saying a statue of Brahma, but they're literally describing a statue of Brahma. Hmm. And this is what I can't stress enough to folks, and I try to do it lovingly by just saying, hey, let's not get ourselves distracted with Redefining the term God, not only are you ignoring the definition of its term to relating to hierarchical authority, but you're also redefining it at its very etymological core to claim that it's an essence instead of an actual character with an with hierarchy of authority. And they redefine the essence, the substance of God to be something that is undefined different than all the things the rest in creation. That's why they always like, uh, Josh just used the, the quote from the Pope. That's why they always refer to everything else other than the, the triune God as a creature. This is why it's such a blasphemous thing to them. Whenever you say that Jesus is not a part of that triune essence, then they say, well, you're calling Jesus a creature. Right. Just That's a where mere, a that mere, It's always
9: a mere creature. They always it's a mere that.
0: creature. And a right. mere creature can't die for you and save you. Has to be God that dies for you and saves you. So this is where this language comes from, guys. This is why it's a philosophical ancient world religion concept. This is this, and it was literally just brought over and just smeared over with the veneer of Christianity in around the fourth, fifth century and codified as an actual creed that you have to believe to be in, in fellowship with the church communities. And so this is why it's become such a battle ever since, because people come along and they say, You don't believe Jesus is God? And all they're thinking about is he died for your sins and that they love Jesus and they gave their heart to him. And they right. they Roman 10, they Romans 10, 9 and 10 at the altar call on a Sunday morning at a Baptist church. Right. And they think that oh, I, I put my faith in Jesus as God. He's my God. I I, I want to go to heaven and be with him. And but then when you dig into seminary and what they teach about right. this idea, it's a totally different game. And this is where I'm just trying to pull the layers back on this. So because this is a long standing historical precedence of philosophy infusing itself and ignoring the blatant scriptures and overtaking the descriptions of what the, the Bible's already described to us. And then now people are arguing over bad definitions as opposed mm-hmm. to just reading the Bible for themselves. There's even people in the chat right now claiming just because I make the statement that we should be solo scriptura, that we should read the Bible and study it on our own, that we can make up our own doctrine. That's that. See how they immediately twist the the intent, right? Well, they'll say, Oh, so wait, you're saying we should we should read and study the Bible on our own, but you don't trust anyone else to help you understand it. So you have no accountability, so you can just go make up your own doctrine. I'm like, I never claim that. Mm-hmm. I just claim that people should read the Bible and study it for themselves. Right. Right? So like so you're telling me I couldn't be a Christian if I was straight on a desert island with a Bible? I would have mm-hmm. to wait for some counsel to come along and help me understand it and interpret it? Is that what you're saying? No, of course mm-hmm. not. So like, um anyway, I am I'll stop with my rant, but I just want to no. just
8: and then the well, same people be using words like essence, which you only find in like an ISV or an AM well, translation. <laughs> like, let,
9: let, let me ask a question. Let me ask a question because I'm, I'm I want to play Paul in Athens. Okay. Okay. Um, do you think that it's totally out of the question to consider some of the context when you see the Holy Spirit used, filling people, giving people the ability to do things outside of their limitations? that the word essence is completely inapplicable to his Holy spirit. Would you,
0: would you say that from, from the origins of the word mm. and how it was brought into the conversation from the, the fourth century uh, or from Nicene Creed, as well as the discussions lead up to the council of Constantinople in 381. Yes, it comes from Gnosticism uh, and mm. check out my live stream. I did last night where I actually give the, literally the the historic scholarly citations of where all this stuff comes from. Mm -hmm. And, and of course, Gnosticism, Gnosticism is literally ancient, uh, uh, ancient Aristotelian, uh, category of essence. Like the, the top 10 Aristotelian, uh, concepts of philosophy. The number one is defining the essence of God. (laughs) And this goes all the way back to Egyptian negation theology, where um, Egyptians had their own 42 creeds that they could repeat as far as how they could describe God without uh, offending him and mantras Mm. as far as like discipleship. And it was all about you cannot accurately describe God, but you can reference him in the negative affirmations. This Mm. also is shared by Kabbalistic thinkers and philosophers, of Mm. which Maimonides was it, it, it supremely impressed with the Latin Trinitarians and how they described God through the Trinity model, because mm-hmm. they used the idea of the essence. And Maimonides was a philosopher as well, and so there's it's it's perfectly fitting that all of those major dominant religious ideals reject that God has a corporeal body and that He's just an essence of a supreme being and that He's unknowable and undescribable. Yet mm-hmm. we should yet we should use the right terminology to say that His Supreme essence is encapsulated in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as three distinct persons.
8: And and I would add mm. to that by looking at where that word was placed. Right, look at like Job eleven seven. Right, they took out the word mysteries and throw in the word essence.
7: Mm-hmm.
8: Why? Look at Colossians 19, They took out the word fullness and they threw in the word essence. Why is that? <clears throat> I th- I would find that it has Less to do with the actual word itself actually fitting there and more to do with what they wanted to make the passage infer based on something they already believed, right? So, uh, you know, I also I, think that I, sort of goes to that.
9: I ask because there's been times where I've been in discussions with uh, with Trinitarians in particular, uh, when it yeah. comes to the Holy Spirit, and I that's been my disposition, right? I'm Paul in Athens. Oh, well, let me tell you about this unknown God before I start. Going into a mode where it's like I'm really like laying into their pantheon of deities type deal and I've used that to sort of catapult into this discussion of the Holy Spirit being in some sense like an act of force. Now that's Jehovah's Witness lingo, but There's times where the Holy Spirit is talking about um, From an impersonal disposition as though it's like an essence like it's some type of power that God is putting in somebody and it's his It's his spirit that he's putting into people what does that really mean i've used that type of language sometimes to help make my point and it's facilitated a a, uh it's it's not so psychologically suffocating in the room when it's like six trinitarians and one unitarian talking (laughs) right I'm, i'm being very selective with my words when i'm in a situation like that and i found that it's been um it there's utility to that now do i use that language when i'm discussing my beliefs about the holy spirit no but if i'm talking to a bunch of like trinitarians that are really riled up you know that's been my methodology that's why i asked the question
0: yeah check it if you have a chance check out my video day last night on my live stream when you have time and Mm -hmm. um, i try to just just show you i think this is the biggest disconnect we've always had with them is that um, we don't understand they from the get-go their predisposition is a different definition of god so every time that they that's how they can just willy-nilly claim jesus is god but also jesus is yahweh and then you're like, wait, are you modalist? And I'm like, how dare you call me modalist? I'm not a modalist. You know what I mean? But I'm like, <laughs> right, but your right, language right. sounds like one. Absolutely. Right. Josh, we really <laughs> appreciate you, bro. If you if you got to get going, I understand. We really appreciate yep. you, bro.
3: All right. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It's been fun. I I will uh, hopefully be back on soon. It's been a blessing. Fellowship I'm with you guys. We hope so, Josh. Shalom, Josh. Well, Josh. Love man. to and you, see bro. You all, brother. all right. We'll see you all
8: something something i want to point out here too is like especially all you in the chat that are hating right now i see some of you i'm talking to you berea I all right so listen have any of the panelists today called anyone a heretic have we said we disagree right have we presented scripture for their positions has anyone here called you a heretic right this is something to think about Mm -hmm. okay because like that's the type of spirit that comes from the other side. It's the right? fruit. Right. You know, and I think that says a lot. And, and, you know, not to like extrapolate this on like the macro, but I feel like this is a taken right out of the textbook of the elite, man. When yeah, you right. want to scare people and, and make them fearful of challenging something, you are encouraging them not to use their mind, mm-hmm. not to think, not to consider thoughtfully. No sila right? And sums. no, no sila, no pause, no think, no yeah. consider. And, and that is, uh, I, I believe what really opened you up to danger. It's not in fact, just having discussions with people being able to consider, uh, no, it's calling people heretics. It's, it's making people feel like they're going to lose their salvation. Like all this fear based dare we say it propaganda is, I think is really what promotes, uh, you know, um, uh, where the danger
6: is it's just so you know ironic earlier... to me sorry go ahead sean
0: uh no go ahead and i'm gonna uh, address something Marla said earlier
6: Oh, i was just gonna say it's just so ironic how much they really press us on the the holy spirit being a, a person and you you know you got to really believe this but they totally miss the fruits of the spirit they don't exemplify the spirit <laughs> at all it's amazing
0: yeah like i've said before i've seen her be, i've seen them be nicer street evangelizing muslims than that they wow. treat their own brethren right <laughs> So true. So well, they don't really earlier, Marlo, us, they don't consider us ear- brothers, right? I know that's the sad part. Yeah. Um, Marlo, when you have a mic problems earlier, you try to bring out Revelation five and one of your mm-hmm. statements. But I wanted—I don't think the audience before, heard you yeah. very well. So I wanted to bring it back to your point, which is also in Revelation one, when it talks about the seven spirits in verse here in verse four, before his throne. Mm-hmm. So talking about we're talking about um, grace and peace to you from him who was and is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne. And this, they've capitalized this S S word spirits right here is right. this talk is is now the Holy spirit seven.
7: Right. Right. So and that's I,
9: my, that's been one of the things that I've said to them. I said, Hey, listen, if, if there, if there is a spirit that is personified or let's say that it is a person Um how do you know it's not one of these seven spirits before the throne? Like, I never hear you guys use that in your theology at all. Like what right. what's going on with this?
0: Well, you, do you know why? No, it's because of, it's because of this right here. <laughs> it's because this theology comes from the same, same men that denied angels. Yep. Uh, um, where is it? Where'd it go? It's actually 24, um, 24, 23.
2: Well, I know when, um, like in Luke, and I think it's in all the synoptic Gospels, when the Sadducees are trying to catch up Yeshua, and it mentions that they neither believe in the resurrection nor the angels.
0: Yeah, look right here. Mm-hmm. It's Acts 23, uh, 7 and 8. As soon as he had said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. Wow. For the Sadducees say that there is neither a resurrection nor angels nor spirits, Wow. but the Pharisees acknowledge them all.
7: Mm-hmm. And wow. guys,
0: I've tried to say this in the past, like, I mean, I don't have the receipts right now, but I'm going to in a future video. There's statements where the early church fathers, the Eastern Orthodox early church fathers, literally just say, we've taken the reins from the rabbis of Judaism. Hmm. And a lot of that is they take their doctrine with it. Like it's, there's so much of Kabbalistic Judaism that that views the spiritual world in non-biblical terms that Eastern Orthodox which later became the Roman Catholic Church that those early church fathers quote unquote adopted that same type of ideas about the spiritual realm the spiritual world outside of scripture and that this is that's why it's literally called eastern mysticism within the eastern orthodox church mm-hmm. they they believe in a concept of mysticism and they and they many of them don't believe that God has an actual body. They think that spiritual things are somehow ethereal, incorporeal. They're intangible. You know what I mean? And this is where, that you know, you've seen me having these conversations with pastors where I end up getting down to it. And I say, you know, I guess this all really just boils down to, do you believe heaven is actually real? (laughs) Like, what do you think this is? Jesus is coming back on a horse. Is that a real horse? Does that horse have stables? Does that horse neigh? Is that like, is this, are we talking real tangible things? Like the, the wedding supper, of the lamb, they slaughter the fat oxen and to serve everyone in the wedding supper, of the lamb, are those real animals we're going to be eating off? Like, mm-hmm. what, what are we, what is heaven to you? Is mm-hmm. it a real place or is it just a ghost world? You know, like what, what is heaven? You know, and, that, and I don't, I, I would put forward lovingly. The Bible tells us heaven is a very tangible place. It's just made of a different material called spirit. And and that and I think that um, Yeshua exemplified that in his resurrected spiritual body, where he could he could make breakfast with his disciples and eat and have you know his his scars touched, if you will, you know what I mean. And so I, I just, I guess tracing the roots of where this comes from, it literally comes from ancient gnostic beliefs
2: and these sects get glorified, like these traditions of man. that get embodied in a school of thought. That's why they want to know who is your teacher, because they want to be able to label and group you into a a school of thought that they can then say, oh, you believe like them.
9: Right. Right. Or place you in a denomination. Nope. They place some type of category on you. You're a yeah. Unitarian. I know everything about you. And
2: right? then they'll <laughs> gladly and proudly tell you which school of thought they, you know, what rabbi they've trained. Big under. facts. Yep
9: big facts um yeah man people don't have ideas ideas have people Hmm. you know when I when I deal with with uh, really zealous uh, versions of any uh, shade of Christianity or that which calls itself Christianity I try to just tell myself that this could be Paul I'm looking at Paul prior to Christ right now and he's super convinced that I am a heretic and that I deserve to be stoned and so I if I keep myself in that state of mind it prevents me from responding in kind. Does that make sense? Because I see, I feel myself getting riled up a lot when I'm being challenged. I'm thinking of 100 million verses to debunk everything that you're saying, right? But you guys brought up some good points, like the behavior matters, right? Your deeds matter. Exemplifying the fruitage of the spirit matters. And I found that in my experience, speaking with Trinitarians about this particular topic, I don't get that at all. And I try so hard to be extra loving and extra accommodating. And it's vitriol
0: because they just I, I view it as weakness, bro. Well, they
9: view it as me trying to be deceitful. Like you're trying to be nice to, to brainwash me, but you're from Satan. You and all your beliefs. And I'm just convinced that this person that I'm talk- talking to is locked into this mindset. Or like the Apostle Paul, if I bring up Yeshua being the Messiah, if I'm, a, if I'm a, of the sect of the way, I'm donezo. I'm I'm Dunzo until he's on the road to Damascus, <laughs> you know. And my job is to just to to speak the truth. If I'm asked, I'm going to answer and as best as I possibly can. And if I get stoned, so be it. If you find out three years after you
0: murk me, hey man,
9: we'll be in the kingdom and we can high five. But it's it's, it's just what it is at times. I've gotten that. Them- Go
0: have ahead. you seen that meme, uh, Marlo, where uh, they, they they use the Blues Clues template? And they say, we just got a letter. We just got a letter. Let's see who it's from. And it's Paul. You know what no, I, mean? I I haven't seen that. Yeah. Pretty hilarious. Um, So, like, it's it's a joke about the Galatians getting a letter from Paul. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, okay. who's bewitched you? Like, all these Trinitarian churches right. with these poor poor attitudes, man. They'd be getting a letter from Paul a long time ago. Real quick, though. <laughs> what you said uh, earlier, you said um, ideas have people. That's exactly what Paul says right here, bro. Look, Colossians 2.8. And he wouldn't have See to it that no one Americans takes you either. captive. Sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, it says, "See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, mm-hmm. based on human tradition and spiritual forces of the world, rather than on Christ." Right. So, yeah, your your um, your statement, your your sagely statement, is a repeating Paul's idea, is that these thoughts can take you captive, mm-hmm. um, and this is what we see because you you try to show people the actual scriptures, and they just ignore it. And, right. and and they just keep repeating Jesus is God if you don't believe it you're out. And I'm like, "Bro, you're not even listening to the conversation." Very like, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to say, "Can you help me understand where this essence of ontology is even defined in scripture that you keep repeating?" And they just say th- and then it becomes, you know, they either duck or they mock you or they just don't want to talk anymore because they've already shut off and labeled you a heretic. You know what I mean? So it's like
9: and I've always asked trinitarians in my experience to have a consistent mode of epistemology because you know if someone ever does if i ever get a text message from somebody and they say oh so and so heard you talking in this clubhouse room and they want to talk to you about this point that you brought up one of the things that i, that I do is I'll, I'll try to find other discussions that this individual has been in and i'll say okay um i'm gonna try to i'm gonna try to delineate how he comes to the points that he comes to right like because i'm not so concerned what people think I, i'm con- more concerned with how people have come to think what they think right so there's times where i'll hear them get in debates and stuff and they'll say things like you know well all right mr torah observant christian show me where in the bible it says show me in the new testament where the gentiles had to keep the shabbat show me those words right now if that's your mode of epistemology fine but just understand when you and i start talking about the trinity i have the luxury to say that to you too show me in the bible where god is in essence shared by three distinct people because if you can't do that then you don't have the luxury of ever using that rubric against anybody else. You have to have a consistent mode of epistemology. And I've found that not just with Trinitarianism, but with many forms of thought, people will tap into a a method that's convenient for them in the time, but don't realize that in a different conversation, they divorce themselves from it. Does that make sense?
8: yeah, and those those are some of the funniest conversations you can ever witness, man. Have you ever seen two Trinitarians go at it with each other? Never. I, well, I've never seen that. I've seen a Modalist. Because,
9: I've seen a Modalist and a Trinitarian. No, because go it's
8: ju- it's just where dogma meets dogma, and then you just see them, they just see them go at it because it, it it's so. W- what I describe it as in um, a writing that I'm working on is microcosm Christianity because like you know we start with like you know you have the original church you have the catholics you have the eastern orthodox the roman catholics then you get to the reformation then you get them dividing off into denominations mm-hmm. and then now we have non denominations right and mm-hmm. so it's like people have like their feet planted in firm air right That's and deep. and well it because and then they teach so broadly it almost goes down to the individual you have individuals in their church who can just land off in so many different places and yeah. so I think what you're saying is very true and it and very much so on the Trinity they they don't even necessarily agree perfectly amongst themselves and those are some funny conversations to witness because you know it's just like well that, who's whose false interpretation is right like
0: well that literally is what is right. I mean, that, that, what you're describing, Michael, that literally was the Council of Nicaea. It was Trinitarians arguing against each other. And people don't realize that because, because the, the side that went out blamed Arius. And then anytime you disagree with him, they say, what are you, an Arian? So then it gives mm-hmm. people this idea to think that Arian wasn't a Trinitarian himself, but he was. He was just trying to describe Jesus as outside of this essence. And therefore they called Jesus a creature. And they said, fire Jesus in the chat. It.
8: Fire in the chat. That is fire. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's such a good point.
0: Yeah, so I, I just try to remind people like this whole premise has been stolen from us because we've been watching Trinitarians argue amongst themselves for a thousand, fifteen hundred years, and then they, and then when we don't just wholesale fall into their belief, they claim we're out altogether, or they call us the losing side, like Arius or Sibelius. and then you're just like, bro, that, I'm not either of those things. I already know the Bible. The Bible has already described the essence of the Father, the Son, and everything that lives in heaven. They're made of spirit. They're not made of some undefined thing. And, and you know, so and and very few of them even understand, you know, like Epiphan- Epiphanius and, and the doctrine of emanation and all that kind of stuff about everything flowing forth from the father. And that, you know, but they talk about it in that same vein where they say, well, the father is, is all things. And if you don't believe the son eternally existed with him before the world began, then you must believe he came out of the father. And then they don't even realize Arius was not describing that. Arius was describing the Father has a unique, undefined essence, a philosophical essence, and the Son was the beginning of his creation, and therefore he's a creature of a different essence. But even that is scripturally inaccurate, because Yahweh is a spirit, and angels are spirits, and the Son, which I believe preexisted in heaven before he became a man in the womb of a woman, also existed as a spirit. I think that's what Paul was referring to in First Timothy three sixteen, talking about the mystery of godliness coming from that spiritual ontology mm-hmm. into manifested in the flesh, lived nine perfectly, resurrecting back into a spiritual ontology. Like, I, I think that's the mystery of godliness. Is like, how could he dethrone that glory and then be found in this in the likeness of a man? Mm-hmm. No angel has ever done that before. Mm-hmm. Nothing in all of creation has has made that transition and somehow kept his mind and his memories. You know what I'm saying, and but yeah, no. but Yeshua, that's I believe that's why he's considered extremely unique in all regards. Mm. He's the only one to make that transition, and of course fulfill his mission to be perfect and sinless. And so we we glorify him with love and respect and obedience. But when it comes to defining worship, the Son told us to pray and do right. temple worship to the Father, which is a different concept that he facilitates in his priestly position.
7: Right. So it's
0: like. This is why the Trinity, Trinity conversation always goes back into the law conversation because they don't understand the law. Literally, is how the Son saves you. Well said <laughs> through His priesthood. And well so said. this is why you see me talk on. You, you see, like certain guests on my channel that they get upset when I start bringing up topics because they think I'm deviating from the right. topic,
7: well and said. I'm
0: not. Yeah. They just don't realize it's all connected.
8: And something to Agreed. add on to that too, which why I think this is just such a great point, is because that could really extend to many different things. Like people will quote the church fathers to support a position when in fact they disagree with like nothing else that they believe. That's true. Right. That's true. You know, like it's, it's really a great I, point. They Trinity. Is- I've been,
0: I've been guilty of that to the, to the vein where I've tried to qualify it. Now when I say, Hey, I don't believe everything this guy teaches, but here's his perspective from the third mm-hmm. century or from the first century AD right. or whatever. But, but I agree with you, Michael, for sure. Andrew, what are your thoughts, brother?
6: No, oh, I'm just taking it all in, brother. You guys are saying <laughs> all, all that needs to be said. So somebody who came to the party, um, what all did I miss
9: as far as uh, other verses that Trinitarians bring out? I'm sure you guys already went over being baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What was the uh,
0: – did you guys we go over that one? We haven't gotten there yet. Haven't even what? Gotten there yet. In, fact, in fact, that's the super chat right here. Right now, Miss Cotton Candy. Thank you for the super chat saying when people spread the good news, they discuss Jesus's birth, death, resurrection, but Jesus in Matthew 28, 19, 20, clearly he's saying something different, right? Go out and make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the whole, you know, father, son, Holy spirit. Um, I think it's just about the authority. They, it's just the, uh, the authority, the father gave to the son. And then the son has, like we read earlier, has access to give the spirit. Mm-hmm. And so that's the same authority structure. Um, all the angels in the old testament that oversaw the temple were in the authority of the father it's the Mm -hmm. same it's the same authority that yeshua was given and this is why hebrews 1 tries to tell us that the son was given greater authority than the angels he was made higher he was given a name that means authority in greek a name higher than those angels in hebrews 1. so to me what do you guys think
2: yeah and in hebrew it's the the word name translated english comes from a word that means character and authority absolutely
6: well, it's either that thing. or, like Charles Spurgeon says in his book uh, on on the Holy Spirit. Well, I don't know. Yeah, it was a book, but he said basically your baptism is illegitimate if you not if you don't understand the the Trinity in the way that it's preached. So, yeah, I mean, there's more like that everywhere. But it was, so, it was you, so your outward take.
0: confession of faith is illegitimate if you don't if you can't articulate a man made doctrine.
6: Yeah, yeah. If you don't say That's it the right. way they do, especially. It's ridiculous. Where did the way they yeah, were? T- Speaking
8: of of saying it a certain way, Sean was one of the first people I heard put it that way. I think that makes a lot of sense. So, the Trinity is as philosophy, right? Also, then exists upon particular speech, right? Mm-hmm. It's the yeah. words you use. In yeah. fact, because it's such a, a new concept, they had to invent new words, right? Essentially, to try yeah. and describe it. So, I I also think that's um, something worth pointing out because. I mean, in one case, you want to stick just to the scriptures, right? You just want to describe it the way scripture defines it. Um, Whereas modern day, uh, it definitely like even within itself, it's like because it is contradictory at face, they have to talk about it in a particular way to make it sound like it's not as contradictory. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I also think that's pretty important.
2: Yeah. I mean, when you got to make up words to describe something it's, it becomes more and more evident that it's all just made up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me actually put this on screen. This is from my presentation last night, but it's relevant to this particular point, Michael, you're making. And this is uh, exactly what they were arguing at the Nicene um, discussion. They were arguing this right here. One second. Sure. Fader Vader bear says
2: rapture being one of those words too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Check this out. And heretic. This, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, at at the Nicene Council, and then leading up to the discussion of the, the First Council of Constantinople in AD 381, they were arguing about, again, not how the Bible defines the, the nature and substance of the Father and the Son, but their Gnostic terminology of homoousius, which they then had an argument over and said, well, no, what if we call it Homoousian? And so instead of an OUS, they had an ION onto it. Mm. And so two different Greek words, and they're literally almost homophobic. They're, they're literally almost the same, where literally one says similar and the other one is same or common. So think about this. you got a bunch of dudes or are all Trinitarians of different veins, and they're arguing over a Greek word. Some of them speak Latin by this point. Some, I mean, we've got our Jerome's Latin Vulgate's already published by this point. S- some of them are coming from different countries um, where they don't even speak Greek as a primary language anyway. But they're still arguing over this Greek word. And the and the words are literally, it's not even a pun. It should be a pun because the words mean similar and same. And they're arguing over the same similar words. <laughs> no,
2: in, they're not similar Greek. words. They're the same words. Come on. And
0: this, and this is their contention. They're two different types of Trinitarians arguing over very, very, very specific Greek words to, to codify their creed. None of this is scriptural, none of this is a statement of faith, none of this is walking in the commandments to exemplify you love the father and the son. This is Mm. all nonsense. Did these people have jobs? How do these people have this much time to argue about this stuff? What you sound like Marlo right now? The world was like, I thought the world was tough back then. I don't know, these people must have had it nice, right? Really nice to have time to argue all this stuff. And I, this is where we find ourselves today, you know, uh, trying to reach people, you know, because I view like. You know, I think the the brothers have known this panel and I, I think it's fantastic. I mean, like if I could, you know, humbly make a comparison to what we do versus first century apostles, like Mike Mikhail Media, right? He's out there in TikTok forging the way in Macedonia. You know what I mean? Like you're Marlo, you're on Spotify, you're oh, in you're Macedonia. in Clubhouse, <laughs> you're, you're forging the way in Alexandria, Egypt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. West Blaze and I, we, we're hitting the YouTube thing. It's like we've stayed back in Jerusalem like Peter did. You know what I mean? <laughs> Andrew LeCurier is on the street. He's Paul going out into Thessalonica or going over to Spain. Like he's 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 reaching the people any way he can. We're all hands and feet, and we're running into these different, confusion, uh, different art, uh, doctrines that are all based on confusion, and we're all just trying to get people just to pay attention to the words that have already been written down and passed on to us. And it's like the most difficult job, in the world that it requires like patience constantly. My wife tells me to stop praying for patience because we just get more testing. You know, <laughs> like, but like, I got to go out there and just constantly say to people in the most considerate, thoughtful and loving way, please. Can we just talk about the scriptures and what they say? Can we get our ideas and doctrines from those and not from your philosophy or your church pastor or what someone scared you with in a comment section on YouTube? Can we just, can we just talk about the Bible? And that that's, People really struggle to just keep it simple like that.
7: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Somebody said sacred name is another dogma. That's, that brings up another point: the uh, the idea that the Holy Spirit does not have a proper name as a third entity.
0: Well, what do you guys think about that?
9: So, what was the statement? Oh, that I'm, it does or that
0: it doesn't.
2: That it doesn't. You know, Ruach Hakodesh is not a proper. It's not a proper name. It's just a this holy set of, set apart spirit. Is all that
8: means. Well, i think I, it makes sense yeah why would it right right you, you go know. back
9: to you go, go back to any greek manuscript i'm willing to concede if you can show me uh you know a, a holy spirit being capitalized in the manuscript because once again that's the statement we can't make about hebrew because hebrew mm-hmm. doesn't have capital or lowercase characters there is. greek does
2: yeah. Right.
0: or you but you must have been off YouTube or uh, Facebook for a while there's people running around Facebook talking about Sophia
2: I was just about to say that's why the Gnostics invoke a a female proper name of Sophia being the wisdom embodied that being oh I see what you're saying well yeah. it, um,
8: which is just in tune just in tune with history it will continue uh-huh. to change they've never agreed right which yes, right. I was talking about early in Constantinople like they were still talking about that at the fourth Lateran council you know in the what was the other one um the uh the second council of Lions. like they were talking about it a thousand years later mm-hmm. i'm not surprised well, we're here in 2023 there's nothing new under the and they're the sign. still nope. reinventing this right <laughs> and and you know i also think that goes to the point of how the whole idea that there even is a club around the trinity <laughs> is itself sort of a farce Right, because you know it's it's just a like a front of something that doesn't actually exist, not in Scripture, not even amongst themselves.
9: Hmm. Some Trinitarians are fighting an uphill battle, you know, and I'm, I try to say that without sounding condescending. Um, there are some, there many of the Trinitarians that I've I've dealt with, they don't appeal to the history of the Trinity. They don't appeal to any of that type of stuff. They act like it's self evident, and um, you know, by my estimation and my experience with them, I've every reason to believe that you know. They employed the same methods that I did and somehow came to a different conclusion. One of the things that I've noticed, though, is they don't do the extra step of going back to the language. Go, go back to the Masoretic, go back to the Septuagint, go back, go back to the text and really parse through the Greek, parse through the Hebrew. They're trusting a particular translation. This is, I was guilty of this when I was one of Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, if my translation worded it a particular way and I said, well, look at what the text says, I'm talking about my particular translation. Yeah, and that has so much of an effect on a person's theology.
2: Really does. You know, we run into that all the time with King James only.
9: Right, right. right. And so, you know, I, I try to keep that in mind too, dealing with trinitarians.
8: If they did that, it would probably expose the error. You know, they they have to keep the the persona alive. That because we believe Jesus is God, therefore we all think the same thing.
9: And that's that's where your that's where your motives come into play, right? Like, you know, it, it's one thing to be a seeker of truth; it's another thing to be in a mode where you're trying to defend your tribe, right? People who are trying to defend their tribe or their group or their denomination, I, I haven't found any way around that sort of defense mechanism where any sense I'm making is is listened to. All you're doing is listening to, you're hearing me so that you can pick your rebuttal to what I'm gonna, what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, not right? listening, just waiting to talk. So.
0: But, Guys, um, we want to try to wrap it up if possible. Um, okay. I really appreciate everybody. And I, I just want to ask if y'all would like to watch young Don's animation on the heretic as we, as we exit tonight.
7: Absolutely. Okay. All right. So not clear, it. yeah.
0: yeah. It's, it's hilarious. Um, he did a great job and um, I, I think you guys will enjoy it. But before we do that, cause I'll just end the show with that. I just want to give you guys a chance to say goodbye to everyone in the live chat. Uh, go subscribe to all their channels or in all the, the video description below, all the links to their channels, even their TikTok. like with, with my media. So, uh, go check that out. Um, Michael, I, I, bro, I, I just am overjoyed by all the effort you put into your videos. I think uh, they're great. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I'm obviously that's your thing. Like you do film and you make commercials and you, and you have your own like filming studio and stuff. And, um, and that you're clearly talented at it. Um but it seems like you've transitioned in your personal life now you're uh growing uh microgreens weed. microgreens. Yeah, <laughs> you're not growing weeds you're, you're growing microgreens now. <laughs> <laughs> you're not the, not the big green but the microgreen.
8: Yeah, I'm trying I'm trying to infiltrate the system, man. I'm I'm yeah. trying to infiltrate, you know, they're about to pump a bunch of legislation. I live here in New York. Oh, I'm trying wow. I'm trying to invent a business that's going to be climate change proof, man. And nice. uh yeah so th- thank you i appreciate that very much sean and i'm super glad to have you on TikTok now i see you there and Wes too i see you post every now and then also so i for real it's good it was great to see you mid-scroll you got recommended as
0: mm. that's great
8: sean's on TikTok. yeah
0: <laughs> kingdom yeah, bear? I'm tra- context I'm trying. bear context right context bear. Bear. yeah, yeah context I'm, tra- I'm trying i'm trying to get on there uh it's just difficult for like i'm just not used to that format i should say so the filming process and everything and um there, there's so many different options as far as what you can do with everything it's pretty there's this feature rich as far as creating your own content on there and not just being a viewer and yeah. so i'm still learning some of the buttons but uh i think there's a lot of potential there if they don't shut it down i think montana banned TikTok recently. recently oh wow yeah so you can't even access TikTok in montana because they're they were what? they claimed it wow. was like corrupting like the yeah. algorithms were corrupting People towards the you know the rainbow ideology, so um,
7: mm-hmm.
0: it's interesting. But uh, yeah, it's still a mission field like any other. So I'm excited to try to you know carve out some space over there. But guys, go go uh, check out these guys' channels. Uh, I'll just start with uh, with Michael. If you want to say goodbye and just give a last word before we watch this short animation.
8: Hey, well, Sean, thank you very much for having me on, and uh, Andrew West Marlow and the other viewers. It was an honor to share the panel with you guys. You know my heart on this is definitely just to study the scriptures and come to the truth and if that you know leads to the trinity well then praise yah you know that's just not the position i've come and i hope if nothing else you guys know um you know people who may not agree with some of the things that we've spoken about today man i love you i know the other panelists here love you i know for sure we're not trying to judge you and make you feel like you know you're not as spiritual as us that you don't know christ um, that you're not a part of whatever club you may think that we are. You, you know, uh, I I definitely want uh, all of us to be saved, you know, and to know right. the truth. And so it's been an honor to be here. I hope you guys know that there's no no shame, no anything coming from me. Uh, but I do think that Trinity, as we know it, is incorrect. And it's time to to get real about what the scriptures teach.
2: My drop. Well said.
0: <laughs> you feel me? Go ahead, Wes, Oh,
2: sure. Um, I just I can't help but be reminded of how grateful I am when I see all of these brothers come together that are have become familiar with the body of work and the resources that Sean has put forth. Like, Michael, I'm reminded of a testimony, part of your testimony you've shared in the past that you found me on a YouTube video back when I was you know, in the streets at the zombie walk in Kentucky with uh, Nathan Thompson. And we were out there talking about just the biblical cosmology aspect and how it brought me to faith in God. And then so it, it means even more to me to, to know that now you've picked up and watched so much of Sean, that you're learning from the things that he's put forth, because, man, it was my my life was changed. Sure. When I realized that, like, yeah, Yeshua is is the son of God and that the earth is not what we're just disc- what the world describes it as but what the scriptures describe it as and uh that changed my life but like just getting to know the father through his word and having somebody to help me understand that has been crucial in my walk and changing my life for the better even more and so i'm really thankful to see that others are picking up on that too and so all you guys i'm grateful to Mm -hmm. uh, do things like this with you and i hope to continue to do so and even work with you guys independently some more in the future
0: Man, Marlo, just... go ahead, bro. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry, I, Andrew. I'm saving the best for last. No offense. I thought it was going.
6: I thought i was going down that way. <laughs> sorry. Oh man. Um, go ahead, Marlo. I'm not good at these
9: things. Uh, I would uh, probably just say, if you're a Trinitarian and you you tuned in today, um, to consider the possibility that we're as human as you, um that we want to we want to serve God just as much as you do, and that the zeal that you have running through you, we have. And somehow or another, it's, it's, it's uh, actuating in a different way. But um, if you truly care to understand the person across from you who disagrees with your doctrine, um, just consider that, I, at least I speak for myself, when I say that, you know, I, one of the questions that I asked was, what would I believe if I was living in the first century and I was just following this guy, Yeshua of Nazareth, around? If I had put my trust in the Pharisees and scribes and the men of the Sanhedrin, and saw that there was a variance in their theology and that what, what would I have done to make sure that I ended up on the right team? And what would he have taught? And if I could fast forward to today, what would I be telling people? And it's just my personal belief that I don't think that the Trinity falls within that framework, you know, but I'm always willing to accept that I'm wrong, you know, and I guess we'll find that out, okay? But, uh, but I, I love you, I love all the brothers on this panel um and for everyone out there that subscribes to the bible keep fighting the fine fight of the faith there's a whole constituency right now that's anti-biblical and they're they're getting stronger and stronger and we can't really afford to be bickering over things we all need one another you know you might be a trinitarian with a home and i, I might i might get displaced are you really going to deny me lodge because i just dis- i disagree with your doctrine i certainly will not deny you lodge if your church gets shut down you can come say well me candle pork you know and you shut it down on shabbat <laughs> But you can come through, you know, and I love you, and that's all I gotta say.
0: I'll shut up. Don't don't bring your <laughs> shrimp-shaped pillows.
9: Yeah, you can't bring all that up in here, but uh, you yeah. know, you, you can have some state. So. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, well, I what about you, brother.
6: I definitely second everything that that all your brothers just said, and I, I appreciate everybody in the in the live chat who is uh, keeping it civil and just just uh, here here with the journey with us. But I just wanted to say that. Everybody on the panel tonight doesn't know, but I'm, I'm just so honored to be on the panel with everybody that was on tonight, and you all have had us uh, not knowing it, a, I feel like I already know you guys, uh, but you guys have had a special uh, impact on, on me and my family, and you don't even know it. I mean, Michael, even your your resurrection video that, I, I'm not on TikTok, but I did see your video on Facebook and about the resurrection, and people thinking it was crazy, and I, I really enjoyed that. That was a really good video. And uh, Marlo and Wes you guys me and my kids and my wife bump uncommon by your you guys all the time <laughs> that song it's a classic good one. and then <laughs> obviously your your uncommon series is just amazing and uh obviously Sean without even it, it goes without say how much you you have impacted me and my family's life with your channel it's it's amazing so it's it's just an honor to be on here with you and to talk with you guys and but to to the people who strongly oppose just even questioning this trinitarian view i mean just think about very very soon we're going to be going through some crazy crazy stuff globally and nationally i can guarantee it i'm not a prophet i'm just saying it doesn't even take a prophet to look around and see that we're in bad shape and things are going downhill really fast but i can guarantee this you or your children are going to be going through something very soon and you won't care if they're trinitarian or not the brothers next to you, you're going to be saying, brother, I'm, I'm going to die next to you, or I'm going to go through this with you. And, and it doesn't matter if you're Trinitarian or not. So the fact that we're going to, we're going to lay our lives on the line for Yeshua and for the kingdom to come. That's what's going to matter in the, in that moment right now we're pampered. We're sitting online and we're, nice. <laughs> we're typing things and we're hearing so much about words. All that is not going to matter pretty soon. So think about what really matters. Look at the truth, start questioning, is this true? Is it not? What is the implications of that? It's really not that bad. It's really not. You're not going to lose your salvation if you just question it. This is, just think it. Just think about it. You can't even question it in your mind. You're so scared. Is that really what what Yeshua has in, in mind for you? Is that really what he wants you to to be thinking? Like but these are the thoughts that just that I had, and and uh, and so that that helped me to start questioning it. But again, Sean, I really appreciate you you inviting me, and hopefully again we can. Uh, do this again and uh, I would like to work independently with all of you brothers like you said Wes so yeah bless you all uh-huh. let's do it bless yeah you, in fact
0: um, I'm not going to give away the spoiler because we will be announcing it here in about a week or so but uh, Marlo is going to be contributing to a special secret project I've been working on <laughs> and uh, I think uh, a couple of you may already know a little bit about it but it's uh, I'm not the public doesn't know yet so I'm we're I'm really excited about this because uh, we're trying to get into the culture and Truly bring change and bring truth in a way that's easily received by because, like, all the stuff that we talk about, brothers, like, it's it let's be honest, it's niche compared to the algorithms of the world, hmm. right? So, we, we're happy when we can get to 100k or 200k, like, we feel like we've really accomplished within our niche, but like, you know, there's a you know, Usher and Rihanna songs have like a billion views, like, right, you know, what I mean, like, that's we're we're in, we are we we do not have any teachers of the word hitting those levels. Right? right. So like, how do we, how do we get into the culture? And that's what we're going to try to make a, a real effort for that. And so um, I'll be excited to, to talk about that soon, but otherwise you guys are such a blessing. Um, and all as well as the other brothers who already jumped off tonight, you guys are so amazing. Let's watch young Don's quick animation. And uh, I think you guys will just be laughing and smiling the whole time. Everyone live chat, everyone who's super chat. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for being here. We're just about at three hours. And uh, this will be the end after this animation. So you guys are awesome. Bless God and may he bless you. All right, if I can get this to play, here we go.
2: Shout out young Don Reborn, y'all go subscribe. Well,
5: I guess it's official. I'm a heretic. Yup, I'm officially a heretic. <laughs> that word sure does carry a lot of weight in the Christian community, doesn't it? It's it's like the N word for Christians, but most of the people who use it don't even know what it means. The Oxford Dictionary defines heresy as a belief or opinion that is contrary to the orthodox religious doctrine. Which means, unless you're a Roman Catholic or Orthodox Christian, guess what? You're a heretic too. I know. It's like finding out you're 10% black. That is, of course, unless you're already black. Then it's like finding out you're actually a Jew. Ha! Do you keep the fourth commandment? Heretic. Do you avoid unclean foods in obedience to God? Heretic. Do you believe Jesus had brothers or sisters? Heretic. Do you believe Mary, the mother of Jesus, ever sinned? Heretic. Do you believe it's wrong to pray to dead people? A.K.A venerated saints heretic do you believe that the wicked will one day be destroyed with death and hell in the lake of fire and not be tortured forever and ever heretic and wait i saved the best for last do you believe that you can be a part of another church besides the roman catholic or orthodox church and be saved like let's say you're a baptist or an anglican a methodist a non-denominational anything except these two Because according to the Catholic and Orthodox Church, you will only be saved from hell if you are a part of their denomination. And now that you know that, you will 100% be sent to hell if you continue going to your little little fake play church. Do you disagree with that? Heretic. And you can look into that one yourself. This is what their church believes, you heathens. It's called Extra Ecclesiam nulla Salus, a.k.a. Outside the church, there is no salvation. Some heresies are more controversial than others, though. I recently came out as a non-Trinitarian on a live stream, which means I believe in one God, the Father, the Creator, instead of the Trinitarian idea that God isn't a person, but a title, which belongs to three different people. But because these three people all represent the same entity, Trinitarians will still claim that that's one God not three. Basically, the Trinity says God is like a music band. So me believing God is one person, the Father, is like a super heresy. And a quick side note, you can get your name featured at the end of the next animation by joining the producer tier on my Patreon, link below, and please like this video and subscribe. It's the only doctrine where Catholics, Orthodox, and Protestants will stop telling each other that they're all going to hell for going to the wrong church. And come together and hold hands while they burn me, the non-Trinitarian at the stake. Gotta love it. But just because something is deemed a heresy doesn't mean it's unbiblical. Like the idea that you can, in fact, be saved outside of the Orthodox and Catholic Church. In fact, it was by reading the Bible that I came to the understanding that the Father is the one true God and God alone. God in a way that Jesus cannot claim. When Jesus was asked, what is the first commandment of all? He said, the first of all the commandments is hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God is one Lord. Well, we all know what one means and the word Lord here means master or owner of a thing and is always used to refer to a singular person, one master. Jesus is actually quoting the Shema from Deuteronomy six, verse four. Yahweh, our God, is one Yahweh. The word one here comes from the Hebrew word echad, which means one as in singular, or each. Not three in one, just one. Echad. When praying to the Father, Jesus said this, This is life eternal, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. And right after being resurrected from the dead by the Father, he said this to Mary Magdalene touch me not for i am not yet ascended to my father but go to my brethren and say unto them i ascend unto my father and your father and to my god and your god and of course who can forget when paul said this yet for us there is one god the father all things are from him and we exist for him and there is one lord Jesus Christ all things are through him and we exist through him so it's not like i pulled this stuff out of my rear end you know what i mean the word trinity isn't in the bible there isn't a single verse in the bible that says god is a group made of three people or that God is a three-in-one essence or nature or entity or whatever. I mean, I'm supposed to believe that God isn't a who, but a what, made of three who's. But in the Bible, God is always referred to as a single person using the pronouns you, him, and he, not a they, them. God is our almighty father, not some confused teenage girl looking for attention on social media. God said that us humans are made in his image. And last time I checked, I'm a one what and a one who. I'm I'm a truth seeker. Yeah, I don't I don't care about being a part of a group or a club or, or a team or a religion. Nah, I just want to know the truth. I believe all things and all living beings were made by God Almighty, the Father, Yahweh. I believe throughout history, there have been men who have been true followers of Yahweh who have documented significant pieces of information pertaining to him and many of these writings have been preserved and been made available to us in the form of bibles and by these writings we are able to know what god truly wants from us the history of the world as well as prophecies of the future lastly i believe god has a son who came from the father and existed before the world was created he came to the earth and took the form of a human and showed us the way to eternal life. He was killed, resurrected by the Father, and exalted to the position of heavenly high priest, where he is working until this very day, mediating between us and the Father, making atonement on our behalf for our sins. He is the way, the truth, and the life, our Savior, the only one who can resurrect us from the dead and grant us eternal life, the Messiah, the Son of God. One day he will return and rule as king over a kingdom that the father will establish. And they will gather all the true followers of Yahweh, the ones who walk in his ways. And on that day, we will be given perfected heavenly bodies. The laws of God will be written in our hearts and on our minds. And we will never die or be separated from the father. There are many lies that we have been fed. And I believe that I've been blessed by God. By having my eyes open to many of his truths. And I know he will continue to help me unlearn lies and find more of his truths. I now know what my purpose is. To help awaken and prepare his people. Those who are daring enough to seek the truth. Who are humble enough to truly do his will. And those who are brave enough to be labeled a heretic. (laughs)